Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus we all love sports and sports are always better when there's something on the line am i right well now there can always be something on the line thanks to my bookie that's right my bookie the place to bet on football every weekend they have better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book around and this year they're doing something cool they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest first place guaranteed to win at least one hundred thousand dollars and it only costs 100 bucks to enter all you gotta do pick five nfl games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. Look, we would only recommend a service to you guys that have been good to us, and that's why my bookie is always the right play because you bet, you win, they pay. They have live in-game betting on every NFL game, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for all you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. It's a hard deal to beat, but they're going to make it even better. They're going to match up to $1,000 of your first deposit. That's right, they're going to double your first deposit. Just use promo code HONOR to activate the offer. So visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G not .com, mybookie.ag. And don't forget to use the promo code HONOR to claim the bonus of up to a $1,000 double on your first deposit. Mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Guys, I think we can all agree. We always want to look and feel our best. And a big part of that is taking care of our skin. I know it's not something guys like to talk about a lot. Because, let's be honest, we don't really know a lot about skincare. The products are complicated and confusing when you do try to go down the men's skincare aisle. And also, they're freaking expensive. That's where T. Shanley comes in. T. Shanley is a skincare company founded by regular guys for regular guys to make it simple and easy. Get the skincare products you need shipped directly to you every month for as low as 25 bucks a month. Plus, if you're in the USA, free shipping. And no matter what your skincare situation is, they've got a box for it. Just need a basic skincare box? Well, they've got that. Got some crow's feet going on, some dark circles under the eyes? They got a box for that. Even if you have severe acne, they have a box for that. Check out all of their products to help out regular guys like you and me at tige.com. That's T I E G E. Tige.com to get the men's skincare products you need. Simple, easy, uncomplicated. Tige.com. T-I-E-G-E. And use the promo code HONORABLE and get 10% off. So you can't go wrong. It's Tige.com. T-I-E-G-E.com slash HONORABLE for 10% off. Tige Handley. Skincare for men. Simple, 
uncomplicated. This is an honorable mention with Jeff Schwartz and Shane Hagedorn. Part of the Creative Control Network of Podcasts. In the shuffling madness of the locomotive breath runs the all-time loser headlong to his death. Oh, it feels a piston scraping, steam breaking on his brow. Hey now! Happy Two for Tuesday and welcome to another chapter of An Honorable Mention, the essential Ring of Honor retrospective podcast covering the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. I'm your host, Jeff Schwartz, and alongside is my co-host, our expert analyst, the head of logistics, all elite wrestling staff writer, and 15-year veteran of the professional wrestling business, Ring of Honor alumni, Shane Hagedorn. Happy anniversary. I'm old. Yeah, well, we established that when you turned 40. But nevertheless, uh, 15 years in the wrestling business is a successful run. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Even if Grizzly Redwood tries to throw a monkey wrench in my... Trying to... Pretend like time. Time apparently moves differently in the Yukon territories. Very true. And, uh, you know, I heard clocks go backwards there. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's, uh, it's a very weird place. It's kind of on the upside down of the earth. Uh, but, you know, this, this show today that we're going to talk about is the 15-year anniversary of your debut match. Your very first professional wrestling match. Yes. Uh, Midnight Express Reunion. And... I look forward to celebrating the Midnight Express reunion for a couple of reasons. Number one, I obviously grew up on NWA VHS tapes. Um, They were already in the WCW, and the Midnights were gone by that point. But I I love the Midnight Express. Um, Dennis and Bobby, along with uh, Cornette, and then uh, uh, Bobby and Stan with Bubba and... Cornette as well. They had some incredible matches. Obviously, we all know their resume, but they're reuniting on this show. And then, of course, we have a legendary all-time main event with Joe and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I mean, this is a great show to commemorate, and we're going to commemorate the convention card as well. Uh, Talk a little bit about that, including your first match. And then our Patreon users... Uh, this month, we'll get to see and hear us talk about this uh, convention card. So, want to uh, appreciate everybody over at patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. Uh, that's where everybody can get bonus content, the HDNet series, uh, which we're going to find time this week to, to do, hopefully. Uh, do some more for you. We've got a bonus podcast we just released with one of Ring of Honor's most uh, underappreciated unsung heroes, Bird. Uh, if you if you don't know who Bird is, I encourage you anyways to listen to the show. Uh, you're going to find a lot about the inside portion of the wrestling business. Uh, and we really haven't reacted much to the Bird interview, but 
man, it's uh, it's a special piece of business for both of us. Yes, yes, They're totally impromptu, unscripted, uh, no format. Just uh, hey, we're all in the same place at the same time. Let's uh, let's let's try and make some uh, have some fun. Yeah, and we did. A special uh, guest, Evan Starsmore, hanging out in the background. Yeah. Um, and, and Evan's a, a big part of today's show, too. Yes. Um, gonna gonna have to get him and uh, Turner to send in some video clips uh, regurgitating their thoughts from this day. Yeah. Because uh, I can't even imagine. Especially with Turner, because um, this was the day his child was born. Yeah. More feedback. Uh you're having your lawn mode right now, in case, in case folks out there couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> but uh, Patreon.com, it's your home uh, for all sorts of bonus materials. You get the shows early, you get them on videotape, so you get to see props like this that I have brought for today's show. That's right, Midnight Express Reunion. What Midnight Express Reunion would be complete without a Jim Cornette tennis racket? Wow. That's right. Only available on Patreon can you see what this tennis racket looks like. There will be no public pictures of this tennis racket. Um, but it's going to be a part of the set. If I ever move... <laughs> Once that comes to fruition, I will see it and believe it and achieve it. But the other thing about being a part of Patreon is that you get a discount code to itsadvdproduct.com. Where you can get hats, t-shirts, hoodies. It's fall, baby. It's October. You gotta get some some hoodies, some sweatpants. Get a, get a nice track jacket to walk around in. Tired of going outside, going to get the mail, and you're cold in your t-shirt and shorts? Get a track jacket. Get a hoodie. Get a beanie. Stay warm. Don't get sick this fall as the weather fluctuates. And uh, get yourself over to itsadvdproduct.com. And make sure that you stay warm and healthy with an honorable mention. It's a DVDproduct.com. If you'd like to advertise on this very show, you can. If you're a podcast, the Podcast Network, you've got a new show, upcoming wrestling dates uh, for your promotion, we'll plug you. And it doesn't cost a lot. Email us, an honorable mention at gmail.com. An honorable mention at gmail. Dot com. Social media. Oh, of course, we are a collar and elbow endorsed show. Uh, so use the promo code AHM at checkout, 10% off your order, and a little bit of that profit gets kicked back to us. Social media, Twitter and Instagram, at an honorable pod. Facebook.com backslash an honorable pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Jeff Schwartz. Search, uh, drop the for Facebook. Partner, where can we find you on the internet? At Hagedorn and Shane on Twitter and Instagram, Shane Hagedorn on Facebook. There's a Shane Hagedorn YouTube page, but like I always say, nobody cares about that. The important one is the honorable mention YouTube page, where in the last week I've uploaded some new slideshows of our archives, and as always, there's the Kenta playlist, the Eddie Guerrero playlist, the music playlist, the non ROH match of the week archives. The matches that we do for our Patreon watch-alongs are available on there in their original form without our commentary. And a whole bunch of other fun stuff as well. Just got to search an honorable mention because we don't have a custom URL. And last but certainly not least, uh, 
an honorable mention dot wix site dot com backslash main. That's an honorable mention dot wix w i x site dot com backslash main is where all of our archives are housed. And if you'd like to hear some of the things we referenced during this show, they can be found there. No matter what, uh, if it's from a past show, it will be found there. Other than our Patreon exclusive material. You gotta be a patron for that at patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. We are brought to you by the Creative Control Network, so be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network, Mr. Joe Feeney. He's on Twitter and in, at J double F ha ha double E ha ha N E Y three R D and at the CC Network One for all the latest news and notes on the Creative Control Network. Be sure to follow our verified scientist of sound, our astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the Bassmaster General, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement, Mr. Zach Johnson. He is on Twitter and Instagram at RadioZT, and he delivers us the best intro and outro every week and makes sure we sound cooler than the other side of the pillow. Want to support the show directly and look good while doing it? Then visit the only website where you can get merch that's worthy of an honorable mention. It's a DVDproduct.com. Jeff's now a certified corporate sellout, and you can buy the shirt to commemorate the occasion. Pick up t-shirts featuring the event posters of the shows talked about on an honorable mention. Support a certain voice guy and get the best broadcast machine t-shirt. You can also snag the King of the Dark Max shirt or the Gaijin Godfather shirt, and many more designs based on past episodes of the show. Plus, get the honorable mention logo on tons of items like a baby onesie, a towel, socks, a baby bib, gym bags, and more. It's the only place for merch that's worthy of an honorable mention. It's a DVDproduct.com. Let's dive into it. It's worthy of an honorable mention. It is October 2nd, 2004, and we are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Philadelphia National Guard Armory for Midnight Express Reunion, proudly presented by MyBookie.ag, promo code honor, where you can bet on things like tennis... The NFL, and pretty soon, the NBA. NBA season is around the corner. Get it on with the Los Angeles Clippers, the Houston Rockets, bet against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, Golden State Warriors, all the elite teams of the NBA. And uh, watch LeBron James fail to win another NBA championship, this time with Anthony Davis as his teammate. Uh, if you invest $100 into mybookie.ag, they will double your winnings up to $1,000, double your investment up to $1,000, and uh, get in on mybookie.ag as fast as you can, because mybookie is the number one place to place your bets with the fastest payouts. Use that promo code HONOR and get rich off of betting against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but not the Cleveland Browns who, as we record this, are in first place in the AFC North. We are also presented by Tish Hanley Skincare, the elite skincare products for morning, noons, and nights, and they will make those bags under your eyes disappear faster than raw ratings. Get your face ready to run the place. Use the promo code HONORABLE at checkout Tiege.com, T-I-E-G-E, for 10% off your order of the best skincare products in the world. That's good. 
Well, as we mentioned today, uh, today has not only been that express reunion, as evidenced by this handy-dandy tennis racket, uh, it is the debut of my partner. So I thought we would look back at the week of this show. Oh, Christ. Take me, take me back to the start of your week um, and, and just kind of getting ready. For this match. Um, Obviously, your entire training segment got you ready for this, but... Man, I... God. I don't even remember when we found out that this would be our uh, debut. Um, I don't feel like it was a long time uh, before the show... Uh, probably like maybe, but sometime after, I I want to guess sometime after Glory by Honor, uh, which was September 11th of 2004, is when we found out. I think it was one of those you know we'd been training for 11 months. By that time, uh, we started in November, whatever 24. 22nd, 23rd, something like that, of 2003. So I think all of us were very uh, anxious. Uh, we were all very uh, excited and really wanting to like get that first match out of the way. Like, when is it finally going to happen? Um, and then it came down to okay, kind of figuring out how it was going to be done. It was, okay, well, we're going to do the the top of the class, essentially, you know, the punk picking his top graduate. Well, he'll wrestle that person. And then the rest of it will, you know, it ended up being, well, someone's going to wrestle the carnage crew and someone's going to wrestle, I guess, kind of continuing the, um, the, the, the nature of almost the Punk and Carino relationship is that two of Punk's kids are going to wrestle two of Carino's kids. And, well, we might as well make, you know, we got to add some other stuff onto it so it's not just these three matches with these green-ass kids who are having their debut match, so it got rounded out into, like, a full-blown convention card to go along with the autograph signing um, for, the, the, for the midnights to their autograph signing. We had the full-blown convention card, which I think ultimately ends up on Uncensored. Is it Uncensored? Or one of the do-or-die discs? I don't remember. Uh, just offhand, I don't recall if it was Uncensored or if it was... No, I don't think it was Uncensored. Maybe do-or-die... Do do-or-die maybe, 4? Maybe do-or-die 4, yeah. Uh, one of the things that... Hey, at least it got made... And it didn't even make DVD. In completion, either that doesn't it doesn't even include every match that was part of the convention card. Uh, but I just you know it was just the anxiety of it and uh, uh, of getting to build up, and at the same time, like <laughs> me getting stuck in a match with one of my fellow trainees who I wanted to murder, in um, that being Jesse Robinson. Uh, I could make a really awful transition from you wanting to murder Jesse Robinson to the opening match on our uh, convention card. Oh, well. But I'm going to refrain from that. All right. 
Well, suffice to say that as one of the, the, the four of us that live together, myself, Evan Starsmore, Anthony Franco, and Jesse Robinson, um, he bailed, disappeared, nearly got evicted from our apartment because of him, and, and just skipping out without paying our rent, and uh, just randomly showed up back up one day um, at training, and Punk had to ask me not to kill him. Uh, I want to say it was probably the day after Glory by Honor because I don't think there were any shows between Glory by Honor 3 and this if I recall that there was nothing else the rest of that September and, and so we unloaded the truck from Glory by Honor 3 and I'm like throwing trash can lids at him and <laughs> suffice to say I was angry and uh then of course he gets stuck teaming with him in our in our debut match and uh, disgusting human being he ate moldy chicken once by putting cheese on top of it. Yeah, because he worked at Burger King. He, he worked at Burger King and would bring home leftovers and yeah, yeah, he's disgusting human being. Um, but that 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 being aside, you know, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of excitement and anxiety and anticipation, and I, I was going into that day um, still not knowing what my 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 wrestler name was going to be. I didn't I didn't know. I had a couple ideas in my head of what I wanted to use as my wrestler name, and hadn't hadn't made a decision yet, and literally did not make a decision until that day at the venue and. And really? at the armory, at the armory, yeah, which was not, and it was not. I'm glad, I was so glad, and I said it was at the armory, being you know five minutes from my apartment that I was living in uh, with the guys, and actually my now wife would end up moving in with us as well after Jesse appeared to be a shitbag. Um, had my, my, I think our basic gear. We all we were mandated by Punk to go with the the. You know, Japanese young boy look of the all black trunks. I think, uh, I think we got all of our trunks not maybe not made by Tracy Brooks, but via Tracy. This is the time she was still with Punk. Uh, and I think she's the one who got them made for us. I can't remember who actually made them. Um, did ODB make gear? Well, Easy Money was down at TNA around this. Time. It wasn't Easy Money. I know. I don't. I know that. I'm pretty sure it was not Easy Money. I just I don't recall exactly. But I know Tracy's the one who like we gave our measurements for our gear to Tracy, and she got the gear made for us. If I, I I'm pretty sure on that one. Um, Do you still have your singlet? No, my singlet became the property of one uh, internet millionaire, Kyle Durden. Oh. And he would get it embroidered with his his logo and shit. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of my gear was hand me downs. My it would turn into hand me downs. Rhett Titus would get my uh, what black and white boots that I got that I bought off BJ. Um, I think my original kick pads ended up the property of like I don't know Derek Dempsey or something. <laughs> uh, my Japanese kick pads that Eddie Edwards bought for me in Japan got ended up the property of Alex Payne. So 
A lot of my a lot of my gear has uh, become. Oh, I think a pair of my boots ended up in Smash my Smash Bradley's boots, possibly. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of my gear has um, since trickled down to 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 other uh, for to the friends. Um, do you prefer it that way, or do you, would you rather have a piece of that start? You know, to kind of hand hand down to like Nathan. No, I mean I still have some of my, I still have my later gear, the gear that I actually liked and would wear again, the gear that I wore when we did our tag match for PWE. Um, but no, I mean I like I didn't keep the robe or any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, the original gear now, disgusting and smelly. Kyle probably still has it. Uh, but it's just funny, like trying to piece up. Yeah, like getting kick pads off of probably. I think they probably came from high spots. Um, Which my, people my don't singlet, know. It's a pretty nice singlet. My singlet, maybe. I don't. God, now I'm thinking. Like my the gear may have even come from high spots. I don't know, but I, like kick pads definitely did. Um, but like knee pads and elbow pads that were too big for me at the Models or Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever by me. Anthony Franco was cheap as fuck and used to like. He like spray painted cloth soccer shin guards for his kick pads. Jesus, it was all very uh, you know. Go get our spray tan on it at Hollywood Tans, and you know we were uh, you know the the shaving of, of ever. This might have been the only time I ever shaved my forearms was for my first match. Fucking hated doing that. Like stupid grooming stuff before I was just like fuck all of that shaving stuff. <laughs> you want to nair it off? No, I did not nair anything. But it's just all that prep stuff that it was like, okay, these are all the things that you have to do to be ready for our first match, and you know, then going out, then then getting to the show that day. And, you know, still you know, these are the, still the early days of Ring of Honor, so our our setup was. We didn't have started to rewind a little bit before we get to that. Like we didn't have moves. No, we did not work on moves in our training. It was all just repetition of the basics. You know, we did the simple, the basics of you know, suplexes, back suplex, body slams, things like that. But no, we were not in our in our training working on power bombs and Germans and Rana. And all that sorts of fun Dis- stuff. It was very destroyer and did destroyer very, and very fun. Yes, yes, very fundamental. So, you know, we didn't have moves so much, and uh, so I don't know. It's like, what the fuck are we going to do in our matches? But so, we, as I was saying, we get to the building, and it's you know, it's still the kind of basic setup. We had the lighting and everything, but it was still a very basic setup. Rinker was not the massive, time-consuming effort it would become down the line so we had more time to like get, you know but we did have the convention show so we were there early to set up and make sure everything was ready for that because essentially you're setting setting and resetting the show you know and the nerves and anxiety first match and at least in my case I at least was in there with the carnage crew so you know, who I was more than comfortable with after the last year of being around them, working with them, and I knew they would take care of us. And um, me being the cam, be, me also having to be the ringside cameraman, definitely. Um, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Played into how the match. <laughs> you got, couldn't take got, the finish. Got structure. Well, more than that, too. And just kind of how, how Gabe um, kind of dictated the match would be done. But before any of that, you know, it was still the... What's my name? And I'm being asked. I'm like, I don't know. I'm still trying to decide. And well, uh, to take a second for that, there was supposed to be a theme of names for everybody, correct? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So at one point in the discussion of, we had several like different, like unifying threads that we talked about. The the the, the group of us in my class. Um, they said the aforementioned ones I lived with, Matt Turner and Davy Andrews. Uh, one of them was when we got to use music, we'd all come out to a different AFI song as a tribute to our trainer. Um, we would all tribute have to con- the trainer hoodie available at com. We would all have a comic book themed, um, comic book related uh, name. Um, Davy Andrews was an uh, Emil Blonsky, who was the abomination. Um, I don't remember how much. I don't remember if we ever decided on one for Anthony Franco. Um, maybe Jesse would have been Emil Blonsky. I don't remember just because he was a hideous troll. Uh, yeah, as you can tell, fifteen years later. I have no love for this human. Damn it, getting us evicted from an apartment. Uh, but mine plays into, you know, Evan, Evan Starsmore is the only one who <laughs> actually went through with the uh, the comic book theme name, Evan Starsmore, who is Chamber of, of X-Men lore. Of um, the Generation X book. And one of the names I was debating on was Nathan Summers, who is Cable of New Mutants, X-Force, X-Men. Deadpool. You have have movies as a frame of reference. That's it. So Mm -hmm. we're not going to blame your opinion. You have no say. say. I I do, too. Deadpool is of Cable. Deadpool is of Cable. Cable is not of Deadpool. Cable came first. Oh. But, strangely enough, that would eventually bleed into my life with my child, whose name is Nathan Christopher, 
just like Nathan Christopher Charles Summers Dayspring Escani son. Yeah, anyway, so I was debating between the Nathan Summers name and Shane Hagedorn, and I asked Cheech of Cheech and Cloudy his opinion. He said Nathan Summers. So I picked Shane Hagedorn. <laughs> and it, it sounds so much more like me. Maybe that's why he didn't want to record it. It sounds so show. much more mean than it was, but it wasn't. It was just kind of like, eh, no, I'm going to go with this. I don't know. It wasn't a conscious, like, that's mouth. That's what he likes. I'm going the other way. No, it wasn't a conscious choice like that. It was just that. It was like the, that he was the last person I was asked. I asked for input. And I just went the other way. So Shane Hagenorn it was. And thus we had the team of Matt Turner, Jesse Robinson, and Shane Hagenorn versus the Carnage Crew in a 3-on-2 handicap match. Uh, Evan Starsmore almost did not get to have a match. Um, he mentioned this when we discussed in an interview, in a video he sent us talking about punk uh, a year and a half ago, whatever. When we did Punk the Final Chapter, how Punk um, paid the last of his tuition for the school. We were broke as fuck. Like we barely worked. It was you know it was it was tough to pay the, the, the tuition cost, but Punk took care of it for him. Uh it's the kind of guy he was for us. And so then we had the Evan Starsmore and Anthony Franco against Carino students of Alex Law and Ricky Landell. That match did not make the final cut of the Do or Die for DVD. And then Davey Andrews versus CM Punk in what would have been the first of a tradition of, in this case, it was the top graduate, Davey Andrews, wrestling the trainer, CM Punk. The following at the homecoming, when the second class of punks made their debut, the top graduate of Antonio Blanca wrestled the original top graduate, Davey Andrews. Now some people know. Yo, you the top graduate now. <laughs> sorry, that was a, actually a terrible Antonio Blanca. I'm sorry, Belly. That sounded much more like homicide, and that was not my intent. Anyway. So then we have our matches. And in my case, it was told Hagedorn's the only one who gets any offense. He can't take the finish because he's got to go back out there and film <laughs> for the main show. So I think my offense consisted of getting in a hip toss and maybe like a ah, forearm. And Matt Turner is the one who got the right to die with the spiked pile driver from the Carnage crew in front of like if you if you have the Do or Death 4 DVD and you watch this back or if you're on our Patreon and you watch it with us Matt Turner gets a standing ovation <laughs> because he's got a nice crowd of support from family and friends there uh, for that first match uh, I had my girlfriend, who would become my wife, was there, beaming, very happy for me. And, and 
that day was also the day that Matt Turner's daughter was born. So he literally, I think the birth rushed down to have the match. Is it okay if I leave? Yeah, you're having a fucking kid. Go. So it was a, it's a, October 2nd, 2004 is an epic day in his life as well for multiple reasons. What a, but yeah, so that, that's, that's, and it was, um, and that's what, that's a great word because that's what it was. It was such a whirlwind. Like I think back on it and it's like, I remember it's, it's, it's blur, you know? If you go back to, to the story of your name, but it also slows down. And that's a good thing. You know, I I kind of equate your first match to the day of my bar mitzvah. And for a year and a half in preparing for my bar mitzvah, uh, going to lessons uh, three, two or three days a week, I think. Is it, I think weird? It was, Is it weird having your penis cut off in front of your entire family? Uh, no, because a lot of that money helped pay for college. Ow. And I was like three days old. Ow. Oh no, that that's not what they do. That's, it's the bar no, mitzvah. No, that's a bris. That's a oh. bris. And they don't cut your dick off. They, <laughs> they cut the horse dick off. Something that's I, done I, in the I hospital. Eat it, right? No, oh. no. The Jews make it into a celebration, is where everybody else has it done in the hospital. Gotcha. And then we get presents. <laughs> Here, we cut your we cut your foreskin off in front of an audience. Have a a check. <laughs> You're three months old. Yeah, no, three days old. No, three days old. Okay, I think it's it's like three or four days. It's like as soon as you get out of the hospital, whatever that first gotcha. like available date is. The thing risks. Yeah, well, you know, hey, if you're a moil out there and you'd like to advertise on our show, you can email us at honorablemention at gmail We'll promote you cutting off four skins uh, <laughs> in the local area, uh, but. No, I, I kind of equate my bar mitzvah preparation to somebody's first match, where there is a two to three day a week, multiple hours at a time lesson. And there's a very serious nature to the training. Yeah. And learning the language and understanding what exactly you're saying and why. And I'm not religious whatsoever. Ironically, we're taping this on. I think like day one or day two of Rosh Hashanah. So, uh, you know, one of the holiest Jewish holidays, I, I out of sight, out of mind. But, uh, like, I didn't take my training seriously for my bar mitzvah at all until the end when it was like, oh, my God, there's going to be a lot of people here. And I had a very large bar mitzvah. Um, I believe it to be the largest in the history of my synagogue. Um, at least up until that time, it may have, may still be that way. But the pressure of performing in front of all these people that you know, some care about you, some are just regulars and they just show up every week. Um, it's that mental side of it. Obviously, there's a physical side to this, but it goes by so fast when you're on the stage and. I don't know if when you were in the ring, if the match went by real fast or if it felt like if you could feel it. I could not feel my bar mitzvah at all. Like when it was over, uh, which is a whole other story. But when it was over, I was like, wow, 
I've never had time fly by so fast. And to to this day, I mean, 20 years later, um, I don't, I, I, there's outside of what I did at the end of my service. Um, I don't have any recollection of anything that took place the entire day because I was so nervous. Um, I had such a long portion that I had to do each weekend is a different amount. I got the longest, uh, which was some sort of karmatic, ironic punishment for being such a slacker. (laughs) Um, but I just, I, I always equated to like somebody's first match to a bar mitzvah because essentially you're becoming a man now in wrestling. Like you're having the match. You can say, I am a professional wrestler now. Not I'm training, not I'm a, an academy, you know, student or whatever. You're, you're a wrestler. Yeah. This is your dream. Yeah. So during the day, just to get back to the name thing and put a bow on that, and then I'll go back to this. Shane Hagedorn, where did the name come from? Uh, <laughs> there's a couple different versions of that story. Uh, okay, CM Punk. There are. And <laughs> there is. So it's the, the, the name of Shane Hagedorn as a wrestler, both names that I chose, that I were in my options, um, were both the names of my EFED characters that I used originally. Shane Hagedorn was an EFED character, and Nathan Summers was the real name of the EFED character I used, uh, named Twisted, spelled yes, like the Psychopathic Records band, Twisted. Whoop, whoop. Uh, but the name Shane Hagedorn itself, so the more bullshit story is that oh, I was a big Shane Douglas fan so I just took his first name and attached and used it with the name of the With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that It's just these cash prizes add up quick so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do it with the road. Uh, my dorm room was on. Which is That's Hub- the Hubbard. I always heard. It was Hubbard Hall uh, on Hagenorn Road in East Lansing, Michigan. Um, when I first met Jimmy Jacobs, he asked me why I named myself after a road. There you go. Yeah. The legitimate version of the story harkens back to the day I got a, a a MySpace message from an old like junior high friend of mine asking, "Why did you name yourself after Selena's brother?" Now, Selena 
was a girl that I had a major crush on when I was in junior high. And her brother was a big scary dude in my memory. And so the name stuck with me as a name that was a big scary dude. And it just stuck with me. It was a name that stuck with me through through life and so that that's how I got to Shane Hagedorn. So that putting a bow on the name story, I think that's always an interesting, you know, facet to wrestling. People don't think you know, it's like when I was doing your birthday roast, do I refer to you as Chris or Shane or, you know, I don't like using the real name because I was always taught that however you're introduced to the person is what you call them. So, for instance, <laughs> if you're like Bischoff just talked about this on his podcast, he met uh, Cactus Jack as Cactus Jack. So he's always called him Cactus or mm-hmm. not Mick or, or you know, man. I still call Grizz Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's that similar thing. So I've always gone by, hey, this is how they introduced, and da-da-da-da-da, you know? There's there's people I've known for 15 years whose real names I still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way this fucked up business is sometimes. Um, I've known some people for 15 years, and I couldn't tell you what their real names are. Yeah. Uh, Smash Bradley. <laughs> And I, like, for me, I, for the longest time, I made it a point to not let my name get out there, my real name. Uh, there are people, um, I'm just like, Peter Melnick, he does the Marvelous podcast, which is a wonderful podcast if you've never heard it. Uh, Peter's a fun guy to talk to. Message me, he's, I'd never realized, <laughs> I just assumed Shane Haggard was your real name. Like, then I did my job of what I tried to do, uh. And even in the locker room for the longest time, I would always introduce myself as Shane. And eventually, I just realized that's fucking stupid. And, yeah. Well, I felt it, like it, now I look at it as that moment in 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 um, in Infinity War where Doctor Strange introduces himself to Spider Man as as Doctor Strange, his real name. And Spider Man says, "Oh, we're using our made up names." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when somebody introduces themselves to me by their gimmick instead of their real name. Well, we talked about it last week that I didn't know what Homicide's real name was until Cabana rapped about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe versus Kobashi in the archives. Check it out. Um, but it's it's always because to me, like that's the mystery of wrestling. Yeah, you know that's the superhero aspect of it. You know. Uh, it, it's why there's a guardrail. It separates what's going on in, in on the stage or in the ring and the people that bought a ticket. And I kind of like that. Um, the, the the ongoing joke of CM Punk, what CM stands for in punk, you know, Cookie Monster, Chick Magnet, Chicago Made, etc., etc. Um, that always always intrigued me too because he's never given a straight answer on it. Or if he has, it's always changed the very next time he gives the straight answer. And uh, I think that's always been a fun element. But this is a whirlwind of a day for so many reasons. And I'll just run through the convention card real quick, and then we can kind of get to the main show. But this is the reason we're doing this show. I mean, it's very much a a one-match main show. Um 
but there's still some interesting things to talk about. So convention card results, Rock and Rebel and Greg Matthews of Tough Enough. <laughs> Gregor. Gonna hit him with the big boot, big rebelizer, brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dude. Yeah. That fucking story if you're not familiar with the Rock and Rebel. Suffice to say, for in our, in our instance, we did not have our own Pennsylvania license at this point, and you're using his. Which meant he needed to be on the show with his guys. And in this instance, it was tag team with Tough Enough Greg against Scott Cardinal and Jerk Jackson. Jerk Jackson, who happens to be the current reigning and defending NXT Tag Team Champion, Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Let's presume he didn't. He's presuming he didn't lose it on October second, since we're recording this on October first. Nah, he's not gonna lose the belt. Spoiler alert! How do you know? Also a prediction. I say it's not a spoiler alert. It's already happened by the time this airs. Yeah, but we're taping this on October first, the anniversary of Joe versus Kobashi. Uh, so, and then we would have Ricky Landell and Alex Law defeating Anthony Franco and Evan Starsmore. And then terrible. <laughs> like the thing with all of our first matches, they're fucking terrible. Davies match if it would have been against anybody other than Punk would have been fucking terrible too. His first matches. But, I mean, it, it's like is... a sympathy fuck. Like you went to our school for a year and a half, so we're gonna put you on the convention card, and this then we should have the... never put you on another show again. This is the achievement of a dream. Yes. And how oh, how many exactly. people? Think about this for a, spec- a second before I get to your match. Think about this for a second. There's over a billion people in this world. Over a billion. Probably over, you know, a couple of billion. Three billion, four billion. I don't know what the world population is. Well, some of them are lizards. But, yeah, and dogmen. And uh, so at this point, like, how many of – what percentage of that billion-plus people – can actually say they had a dream, they worked for that dream, mm-hmm. and then they achieved that dream. I, I feel it. It took me. It took me a long time to get to the point of looking at it like that, instead of looking at all the ways I fucked it up or didn't uh, pursue it my hardest. For example, even in training, I loved being in the fucking ring. I hated lifting weights and going to the gym. Very clearly, I must. By looking at, like, I never was a body guy, but I loved being in the fucking ring. My cardio was phenomenal. Me and Davey would have, like, we would just go in the ring and, like, wrestle around for an hour. Me and Payne would do the same thing down down the line. Like, I loved being in the ring, and I fucking hated going to the gym. I hated the tanning thing. I hated all everything. I hated everything except the being in the ring. Everything else was just, like... I gotta do some of this. I find the tanning thing to be the most peaceful fifteen minutes of my life. I can lay. I in a, yeah, I can lay in the bed. I can just sit there quietly, no cell phone, no nothing. Just sit there with my thoughts and just relax. Yeah. It's the most peaceful fifteen minutes. The two or three times a week I tan. I, I just I love it. Um, although I've been slacking lately. In 2004, I saw all of that as just, I don't want to do any of this. I just want to wrestle. I just want to be in a ring and, and do stuff. Well, That's it. That's all I wanted. And, you got to be in the ring alongside Matt Turner and the 
abominable Jesse Robinson against H.C. Loke and Tony DeVito, the Carnage crew, where you would go down in defeat. Uh, Matt Turner would take the Carnage driver, and that would be that. Carnage crew getting the win. And then we have CM Punk defeating traveling serial killer, allegedly Davey Andrews, uh, where CM Punk actually gave us a clue on Twitter as to the location of Davey Andrews. Uh, Evan Starsmore asked him. What? In, Evan Starsmore asked him. I Punk was doing, Punk was doing a Q and A. Uh huh. And Evan Starsmore asked if Punk knew where Davy Andrews was, and Punk responded, "The Collegeville Gym." <laughs> wow. Well, they both lived in the same. They were they were very close in proximity to one another. Um, Punk, where they lived, the, so. The irony of all of that is Starsmore and I both had the same idea for our questions for Punk yeah. on yeah. Punk's Q&A. Uh, plugging his movie, Girl on the Third Floor. Um, yeah. Check it out. Support Punk. Uh, and then Punk would defeat D.V. Andrews. The Rinker Express, Dunn and Marcos, would uh, gratify the crowd with their presence, defeating Special K of Deranged and Cloudy. And then in the main event of the convention card, John Walters would defeat Alex Shelley to retain the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. In a match I actually remember being pretty darn good. I think the the, the I'm trying to remember if the Special K match didn't make the cut either, or maybe it was just maybe it did. It was just the Rebel match and the no Rebelizers for DVDs. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, and then the uh, Midnight Express, Dennis. In the main event Bobby. of the main event of the pre-show, brother. Yeah, Stan Lane and James E. Cornette, the man on my tennis racket, he's a heel, held a two-hour question-and-answer session that did not make DVD because the audio was apparently too low. Yeah, I'm sure it was fucking atrocious. We were, you know, production values, Ring of Honor, high quality. Top I mean, shelf. I See, on one hand, like... I, I'm I'm disappointed the Q&A didn't make disc because I feel like it could have sold well for the company. <laughs> we would have had a, a two-disc set. Well, that, I'm getting to that. I, I and, and, like, I... For as much as people hate Jim Cornette, and I'm not a fan, that's why I have this here, haha tennis racket, um, which is for ages up to five. Um... I am intrigued when he opens his mouth because the words in the order he uses them interest me. Uh, I don't agree with hardly anything he says uh, about wrestling. Uh, But I don't know. He's like a a science project to me almost. But uh, so and then the positive is this is not a two disc set. So, yes. That would be an ace, if you will. Yeah, I don't even... I have no recollection whatsoever of anything besides the autograph signing and what they did during the, the show. I have no recollection. Well, speaking of the autograph signing, we open up the DVD with a clip of the Midnights and Jim Cornette signing autographs. There's some cameos during this uh, autograph signing segment. doesn't last very long. Uh, Rebecca Sapolsky, former ROH t-shirt designer and wife of former Ring of Honor booker Gabe Sapolsky, is sitting at the end of the table. 
uh, Sin from Ohio Valley Wrestling, who doubles as Jim Cornette's wife in real life, also sitting behind Jim Cornette. And um, Jim sticks yeah. a marker up his nose. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. You didn't pick up on that. He tried to put a marker in his nose. Which, speaking and then, of things, and then, he, and, then he, and then he giggles. Speaking of things that I well, all I could think of was funny. Don't make money, Jim. <laughs> He's a heel. He's got a tennis racket. God damn. Um. So speaking of things that I did not notice when I was watching that, um, I still have not figured out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What the Kobashi hidden scene was? Did we reference oh, last week? yes, I did say I would reveal that. So you would reveal this that? Is actually, this is the best show to reveal it on. So, during the Kobashi, uh, the hype video that starts at the very beginning, Joe, and the shot where Joe wins the world title, or then just Ring of Honor title, raises it over his hand, and a 2003 Davey Andrews and his girlfriend are in the crowd directly behind over Joe's right shoulder Santa Maria caught that and put a flash frame of Kobashi's face over Davy's face Kobashi was there watching when Joe won the belt oh my god I can't wait to stop taping today and go watch that it's a flash frame of of it's Davy Andrews, and it's a quick flash frame of Kobashi's face uh, superimposed over Davy's. Very funny. Yep. And we all know Funny Makes Money. That is the official sponsor of Mark Nolte and Jimmy Bauer, your hosts for this evening. <laughs> no, Funny does not make money in this instance. <laughs> Hating women makes money in Mark Nolte's instance in the show, at least. Especially in this match, my God! Both um, in the first, yeah, yeah. This wow. this match is the same. Multi's commentary is problematic. Would be an understatement. Um, but this this match is is the equivalent of a Me Too moment, uh, just based on commentary and some of the things that occur at ringside alone. Um. One Julius Smokes, the devil's son-in-law, J Train, if you will. Before we even like dive into the show, as we're like an hour into this, uh, why, why is it 
that the fucking footage from the convention card has better video quality than the show itself. The show is yellow. Like amazingly, amazingly, the hard camera and the floor camera that actually get, that gets used are the same shitty shade of yellow instead of blue. But they're still the color is still wrong, and it drives me nuts watching the entire show with this yellow hue over the entire thing. And all I can think of is, I wonder what my camera looked like. Outlaw Mud Show. Just production was not our strong point. No, and it's... I mean, we're still seven months removed from, you know, the big scandal in March with Mr. LOL pretending you said 18. Uh, you know, I think just production, it, it takes time to, to learn and grow and it's not something that no, becomes it's, perfect it's, overnight. It's it's giving a shit. It's caring about it. But the DVDs were still moving. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like this show, paying, I, I, I know it's one of those things. Where it's like people are not paying for the production value. Nobody gives a fuck about the new ramp or pyro, really, or. In the Ring of Honor's case, the whether or not the DVD was blue or the camera lens was dirty, they just cared about what was in the ring. Mm-hmm. But as someone who did production for a living for several years before I came to wrestling, it drove me fucking nuts, and it drives me nuts watching it back still 15 years later of how bad it looks. It does. It, it it does look bad. I think this show, Survival of the Fittest, from June, and uh, World Title Classic, World Title Classic, Joe was Punk Two, uh, Joe Punk Two was not as bad as this. Yeah, but there's a whole litany of really, really bad video quality in terms of whether camera two different color. Shots, the reborn out, one regular, like dirty lenses. There's just so much. Not to mention all the audio problems because we just never, we just took, you know, audio off of the fucking tapes instead of any kind of like direct feed of audio. Just so many of these things, and it just it was one of those things where I think it's like the perception of what Ring of Honor was versus what it actually was. Speaks to the to the talent inside the confines of the ropes. Perception, you know, perception of Ring of Honor being this like number three to WWE and TNA when we our production was fucking god awful and we were an office of like wait at this point one two three four like six people (laughs) seven people. It but to me and I think a lot of the the bulk of the people that I you know, hung around with around this time. We didn't care. I know. And we didn't hold anybody accountable for anything. And I think that's kind of the great thing about Ring of Honor is that that, at the time... Let us be lazy. Well, it did. But we were there for the wrestling. Yeah. And that's... To me, that's why I fell in love with independent wrestling was I didn't care how it looked. I just wanted to be 
you know, mesmerized for a couple of hours. Yeah. And, and that's what I was. But when it's a DVD product, you should care what it looks like. It had a cool DVD cover. The graphic was good. Just the camera work sucked. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say this. The one thing that I noticed throughout the entire show, and this is a perfect opportunity to bring it up, is you had the biggest smile on your face the entire show. I was happy. I just had my first match. You looked utopic. I was I was feeling good. And I didn't and, get dropped on my head by a pile driver. So. And I just thought... I've never noticed you smile that much while doing the second camera before. <laughs> and it's kind of you look like the Joker. You're smiling ear from ear. It's it it is it was fascinating to me like okay, this man is a, a cameraman, he's serious, he's focused on getting the action. Nope, here's this smiling, happy-go-lucky, happy-to-be-here Shane Hagedorn. Well, I was happy to be here Shane Hagedorn. You want to see Shane Hagedorn being a babyface-ish? Watch this match. Watch this show. Um, but yeah, so we open up with the Ring of Honor tag titles on the line. Havana Pitbulls, Ricky Reyes, Rocky Romero, alongside Julius, the double son-in-law, J-Train Smokes. From the Trauma Squad, if you will. Taking on Izzy and Angel Dust, alongside members of Special K, Becky Bayless, Lacey, Cheech, Dixie, etc. I mean, at this point... Mark Nolte doesn't like women in yeah. wrestling. That is so, the lesson to be learned from this this match and this commentary. Um, let's see. There's nothing good to say about Becky Bayless or Lacey. Nope. Meanwhile, you have Julius Smokes on the outside of there and going, Hey, Becky! Let me suck them titties! Fucking Wild West. Yeah, and that's As that's you said, yeah. Wild it's, West. When you you hit me with that line in the text, I was like, "It's a Wild Wild West. All yep. things are a go in 2004." Yep. And like I said earlier in the show, this is a Me Too match, basically. Um, like Nolte is so over the top on commentary. That he makes Gabe sound tame doing things. It was so weird. And then you have the various mentions of Scramble Cage Me Lee. Yeah, like during this. Me Lee. Not Melee. Me Lee. Me Lee. Um, You've got baby faces and heels teaming up. Which really, it's two heel teams against each other, but there's a babyface faction of Special K somehow led by Lacey. No, or Becky, and and she's a babyface now somehow. After I don't, I don't, I don't know what was going on here. Um, you would think just based alone on on Reyes and Romero. Going against uh, a, a legend like Insane Dragon of the Indies, uh, Izzy, and uh, Azrael, who's made the show three weeks in a row now, uh, Angel Dust. Um, 
it's just I'm very befuddled by this whole whole match. It's not bad. You know, in terms of the actual wrestling itself, like technically it's very good. Um, there's some good action. There's some cool little exchanges, but like Mark Dalty ruins this match, like by himself. Uh, he says he's he's burying Paul Turner. Uh, at one point, he even says like Izzy is blown up, and I'm just like, what? Uh, it's just you look at this talent and you would think for 11 and a half minutes that they'd go, they'd have a great match to start the show because you want to start the show with a statement as we've said a million times on this show. But nah. it was it was a collective meh. Meh. Yeah, th- this match was like er- everything that I think people look negatively back on Mark Nolte's commentary is like all in this match. Like, everything negative about Mark Nolte's commentary is in this match. And ultimately, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a nothing match, you know? It just, it's a match that exists to further the Special K breakup story. Uh, it does nothing for the champs. Um, nope. And, and let, let it be known, like, I don't want to speak ill will of the dead about Mark Nolte, but... I mean, he's fucking atrocious here on commentary. But it's not atrocious the entire show, which is it's just like this is. I feel like these, this match is the extreme of him not being good. Yeah, and yeah. Just it's it's. it's they do. God, I'm trying to remember the specific line because I didn't write it down word for word. Um, it's thing. It's one of those. The thing about Lacey is she doesn't even know how to wrestle. Like, but you're heading towards like matches where you make Lacey and Becky wrestle. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I just, yeah. Just that the commentary. Whatever good is in this match uh, is just kind of overshadowed by the bad of the commentary. And yes, all I hear is Mealy, Mealy, Scramble Cage, Mealy. This was a rematch from Scramble Cage Mealy, where Izzy and Dixie wrestled for the yep. belts, and Lacey and blames Lacey blames Dixie, so she's putting somebody else in there. The brother of Izzy, yeah, uh, her boyfriend, quote unquote. Yes, um, but this is uh, it's it's got a decent finish, I think, on this match, which kind of you know makes me smile a little bit that it ended on a positive note uh, and it just wasn't total Mark Nolte all the time uh, Ricky Reyes hits a series of rolling Germans Izzy saves with a really cool look at Moonsault uh, J-Train pulls Izzy out of the ring and Angel Dust falls prey to the guillotine knee drop for the three count at 11 and a half minutes um, I don't remember the other match being this flat, but I'm just gonna go. That. I don't remember the other match. <laughs> Period. End of sentence. I I don't know. I, I I just remember it being like one of the better matches on a 
really mediocre show, Scramble Cage Melee. Um, but yeah, this this is a weird situation here. You got Be- Becky Bayless as the baby face. Um, Lacey and, and her go at it after the match. They have to be separated by their respective Special K factions. And uh, the crowd clearly on the side of Becky Bayless. They are chanting, fuck her up, Becky. Fuck her up. So, so that, you know, at least that part of this is well maneuvered. And at least um, no one yelled cat fight. Oh, I was, yeah. I didn't even think of that. That was all that was missing from commentary. Yeah. But we head up next uh, to a four-corner survival match, and this was not originally meant to be a four-corner survival match. This was supposed to be Jimmy Ray versus Josh Daniels in a battle of current and former members of the Embassy. Embassy forever. Uh, but Dan Moff was injured, and BJ Whitmer needed something to do, so Trent Acid uh, was added to this match as well. And we have ourselves a good old-fashioned four-corner survival match. Prince Nana. Something else Gabe pronounces weird. It's this thing. It's nah. It's like nah. N-A. It's like nah. Nah. Dash nah. Prince Nana. It's, I don't know. Something weird the way he says it. Mark Dalty gets into more when, when Stallus and Danger comes out. Gets into more of his... Uh, what is this useless women at ringside night? It was the line. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, jeez. If you can't take Mark Nolte and pair it with like 2003 Gabe and Doug on commentary, where it's all just about everyone's a slut and well, you- and it it's incredibly insulting here because Danger is the complete opposite of useless at ringside like she's the most valuable ringside commodity beside nana and and smokes in the company like there's those are the three top managers it's just so it's it's even more befuddling like the whole thing and i i just to me it, it really ruins the first part of the show and and it just stuck with me. Like I was never a Mark Nolte guy on commentary, and he's a very knowledgeable like wrestling historian. Oh yeah, but he's horrible on commentary. And I assume he just lived close to Sal, and that's how he got this oh, job. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I just I'd love to know. I, what I, I feel like. Is. Why, these why two, did they use me? Goddamn! These two matches, these first two matches with the women involved, it just he does not tell the story really so much of what they're doing, just buries them. Just no talks. I mean, it's it's it's, it's it is a, a step above you know the, the the tendency of of the Gabe and Doug team to just refer to them as sluts and question their ages and. <laughs> <laughs> They're extremely uh, fucked up things to listen back to now, but it's it's not much better. And then just the match itself is whatever. Yeah, it really wasn't. It was very early on in the Jimmy Rave heel turn. Um, he hadn't quite found his groove, although I'll talk about that a little bit later during the Midnight Express reunion segment, which 
I think that's where where Jimmy really found something, and uh, I don't know really what it was. But at, at this point, like you know, you've got Josh Daniels who has the personality of of you know an old shoe, proto but is yeah, he's proto Davy uh, Richards. But he's, Richards, yes, but he's he's a a really good technical wrestler. Um, and then you've got Trent Acid, who's just treading water and and not yeah for the world, tr- trying to do um, something like call him like the, the the king of the multi man matches, but he's just but he never wins the multi man match. It's an outlaw mud show. Um, and then BJ Whitmer, who's just kind of the anchor to the match, you know, does a good job of you know getting in there uh, using that baby face fire. Uh, you know, he helped kind of keep this thing organized a little bit. Um, there was a, a segment in there where, and I want to say it was like toward the end, uh, Acid and Whitmer uh, both tag in right at the same time. Trent Acid hits this uh, DDT, and uh, like Whitmer bails to the floor. That allows Josh Daniels to. Uh, suicide dive onto the floor, out onto BJ. Uh, Trent Acid, then that sets, you know, obviously you've got a base on the ground, so Trent Acid does a crazy Asai moonsault. And uh, Jimmy Rave's left alone in the ring. Daniels cuts him off. So that was a cool little, you know, sequence of events, uh, all anchored by BJ Whitmer. Uh, the finish would come at 9 minutes and 53 seconds. B.J. Whitmer and Josh Daniels would chop battle. Uh, Daniels hits a reverse German suplex, which gets a two count. What uh, the fuck is a reverse German suplex? Oh, I was in the other paragraph. Uh, it hits a German suplex. I was <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking at my screen through my tennis <laughs> racket. Throws him forward. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. Um into a destroyer. Throws him forward into a Canadian destroyer. Um, but they chop it out. Daniels hits that German suplex for a two count. And if you ever wondered how small Josh Daniels was, look at how he suplexes B.J. Whitmer. B.J. Whitmer is six feet tall. So that that visual imagery should put things into perspective. Um, acid dumps Daniels. He gets hit by an inverted DDT. Uh, by Jimmy Rave, that gets a two count. Uh, Prince Nana gets on the microphone to pump up Jimmy Rave, which was hysterical. Uh, Trent Acid hits the Yakuza kick on Whitmer, which he was using as his finish. Uh, but Rave gets the Shining Wizard and the Rave Clash on Trent Acid and gets the pinfall. Nine minutes and 53 seconds, your winner, the Embassy Forever, Jimmy Rave. Problem is, Nana's on the mic yelling, and you can't hear anything he says because the commentary is talking over him. No idea what Nana said in any of this because the commentary is just ranting over him. Shrimp cocktail for you if you win, Jimmy Rave. That was no, that was nothing yet. Shrimp cocktail is not viral yet. Shrimp yeah. cocktail is forever. Another whatever match. Merit guy went over, but. Oh, but we're not done because. Oh no, because after fr- the 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 match, danger get danger begs the embassy to kill 
Whitmer. I will do anything. I'm on my knees. You can do anything. And yeah. So uh, she's offering her services. I don't think that's what she's offering to pay them. Like Prince Nana needs the money. Mark Nolte chimes in with, I don't think she's offering that. And then he finds a way to squeeze in a basic instinct reference. Yeah. She's crawling or when, when, when Allison is crawling on the mat, trying to get away from BJ. Somehow he finds a way to bring up basic instinct. Yeah. Just when you go low, he goes lower. Um, you, you didn't think he could go any, any worse, but he does. And the Carnage crew hit the ring. The Ring of Hardcore uh, War is on. And they beat the crap out of B.J. Whitmer. Uh, they put a, a garbage can uh, on him, and they beat it with baseball bats. Um, yeah. Uh, ring of Hardcore. Woohoo. It's on. They find so. something to do for full, with Foley and what else, but Hardcore. Sure. You know, you yeah. can't just come out and elicit smiles, uh, and you know, do the thumbs up right here in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's it. That's all he needs to do. That's that's it. But you didn't make him a heel. Get, a heel. A little bit of rub. He wasn't made the heel. him against Ricky Steamboat. Wasn't the heel? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Think about think about the people on this show. You got Jim Cornette. God damn. You got Mick Foley right here. I'm in the Express Union. And you've got Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. Just referenced on the show. Yeah, he's referenced. So it's just a cavalry of, of names and dates and places. But we have a match to get to. And this is one that I did a little Patreon only preview for. I'm going to be doing that a little bit more often to add some more content to Patreon. As I watch along and talk about what's going on during the match and just general observations of watching the show back on Sundays, usually, that'll be dropping in your video tier on Patreon. I did the first one for everybody, though. Jay Lethal versus Low Key with Julius Smokes. Uh, important to note. Full blown proto Jay. Yeah, uh, full full first note. This is the full full entrances for each guy. Yeah, uh, first first two matches were clip jobs. You know, so you get that that Jay Lethal. Uh, you know, I forget what his song was called, but it's the one he used forever and ever. Static X, push it. Static X, push it. Thank you. Uh, which is not the OT Genesis version of Push It. My preferable song called Push It. Um, Not but, salt and pepper. No, I like ah, push it. OT Genesis. Ah, push it. I don't know what the fuck that is. I think you're just making it up. No, it's a it's a rapper that uh, my buddy Mike turned me on to. Gotcha. Um, and Loki, alongside Julius Smokes, is his opponent for this evening. Obviously, this is kind of the be. Uh, would you say the beginning of their? Yes. Well. Their, well, because you had the whole the first, like, Jay got laid out and you didn't know who did it. Oh, it turns out it was low key. So yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 this is this is where the focus falls on the two of them specifically mm-hmm. from this point going forward for a fucking year. 
Yeah, because we just, uh, in the archives over Glory of Honor 4, mm-hmm. put the bow on this feud. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, this was fun. And to be honest, I think I enjoyed this more than either of the two fight without honors from Glory of Honor 4. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It just, it felt like there was a different aura. Like it was fresh. And, like, obviously we just saw the debut of Gangsta Key back in July. The completion. He has this aura to him. Yes. This is the best version of Key. Oh, by far. It's not even close. Um, But having, like, this fiery up babyface lethal, trying to figure out, like, which way he's going to go with himself. Um, Jay Lethal's family is at ringside, although his mom was wearing a North Carolina shirt. Yes! She's the fucking heel! She's the heel! Like, I would have booed her. I would have, too! Yeah, you and I, we both hate that school. Horrible school. Horrible place. They beat your basketball team every year. They live eight miles down the road. It's a horrible place. If you're a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, you get the cornet face. Shame on you. Um, You have the bravado of the cornet face. They don't deserve it. No. Yes, they do. Heels! Um... But, heels. Yeah. Um, this this thing starts so well too, and that's the the lethal suicide dive on the outside, um, and then immediately back into the ring, the nasty suplex. You got Julius getting involved early, uh, which allows that snap drop kick from low key. Like it, this really picks up early. And I don't feel like it lets down. And it didn't go long enough to where it could let down. It's just, it's interesting in that how the crowd, how, it's, how to me the, the, the mom stuff played. Nothing like a way to build up your baby face than having his mommy at ringside screaming, Don't hurt my baby! It really makes him look like a tough guy. Well, he's having I mean, a wrestling match, he's doing his job. And his mommy's screaming, don't hurt him. So on one hand, you could look at it like that. On the other hand, you could look at it and say, okay, here's this young up-and-coming wrestler. It 
with family supporting him to the point where they, they care so much they want to sit in the front row at ringside and cheer him on. But at the point and where they're And they're, they're into it to the point where they're screaming at low-key. At the point where this is going on, Key's not doing anything different than a normal match. He's not, like, bludgeoning him with chairs or beating him down after the match is over. They're just having a normal-ass wrestling match, and she's yelling this stuff. This is before, you know, they double-team and they're restraining Smoke. Smoke is restraining him, and they're beating Jay up. It was just one of those moments I'm like, yo, your baby face's mommy is screaming at the guy beating up her son, and they're just having a wrestling match. It's no different than any other wrestling match he's had. It hasn't turned in anything. It hasn't escalated. But the difference is, it's against Loki, and Loki laid him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just... Yeah. I didn't yeah, the mind crowd it. Che- the crowd liked the spitting. The crowd cheered for him when he spit on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Philadelphia. No. It's like your your, mom, your kid's a mama's boy is what they were thinking. I, yeah. And then, and then, to top it off, you just watched your mom get spit on. And what do you do? You pro-wrestle. Yeah. You stand there in your fighting stance, waiting for Key to feed around before you can hit him. Homeboy just spit on your mom. You better fuck him up. And you pro-wrestle. Edges yeah. there. It's little things, but it fucking drove me nuts. But to the the average fan, without that mindset, I'm Robert De Niro. Fuck him. He stood there when this dude spit on his mom and waited for him to turn around so he could pro wrestle him. Wow. That's one of those moments where what happened at Killer Instinct, six years later, when we did the exact same fucking thing with Kevin Steen, two bookers later, was a much better response to a crowd that gave less of a fuck, though. Which is weird. The crowd responded far less at Rahway 2011 or 2012 than they did in 2004. It's New Jersey! I don't ever go there! Who the hell wants to go to New Jersey? Fuck uh, that place! Him in that building is a whole other story. But I'm regardless, regardless, I I, 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 as much as I enjoyed the in-ring action, it was the little things like that that I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, come on! And those are the moments for me where I said when we were talking about going around a didn't feel like he was, that Letha was there yet. Do you think that this whole story arc between these two disappointed? Uh, they had good stuff in the ring, but like I said, we, like I said with the blow off, it didn't fucking do anything for Lethal. Ultimately, it didn't elevate him, didn't move him up the card. He was gone shortly thereafter, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, which but, may have hurt. But it just it didn't. It didn't. Didn't put him under. As I said, fucking put him under. If you already know, it, it just it didn't do anything for him in the long run. It felt like. It should have, but it didn't. But this match in itself, in-ring stuff, good. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed what happened afterwards. It's just these couple little moments that make me just go, fuck. 
Well, Mrs. Lethal did end up slapping Loki back. Uh, after she Lucky, she was almost in the danger zone. <laughs> we did we get that confirmed? Was was that this show? It was in Addison. That's what Pally said. That was in Addison. Uh, yeah, we'll save that for another another episode. That's a great great story. No, this um, is the sh- this is the show where Stars more. This is the one where Stars more gets kicked in the head by Key. Yeah, not nice. Uh, but back inside, the crowd is fired up for Lethal. They're into it. Uh, he hits a gut wrench suplex, uh, then a backdrop and a gut buster and a neck breaker. He's pro wrestling, and uh, you can tell he's really you know feeling the energy of the crowd. He he attempts the dragon suplex, but uh, Julius Smokes uh, kind of interferes and blocks that with Loki's assistance. Uh, Lethal goes after Smokes and catches the capo kick. Which, that was the one thing that stood out about, more than anything else in this match, Loki is so legitimate. Like, his presence, everything he does comes with this intensity in this match. Yes. And I know that's, like, pretty much every Loki match, but I just, I don't know, there's something about it. It's it's missing from today's professional wrestling and we're, we're talking about this show the day after we watched uh, Joey Janela's Curtain Call where we saw a six way match that had a lot of moves with a capital Z in them but not one bit of legitimate like emotion and intensity and believability it was all just like okay you stand there I'll stand here and then I'm going to do this to you and you do this to this other guy who does this to the fourth guy. Here it's just two guys, and there's this low key. This I don't know what what word you could use to describe it, but like this, he's bigger than life. He's bigger than the match. His presence, just, just how it's, he it's it's presence he exudes his presence and. He, he puts on a dragon clutch, lethal taps, even though the crowd is begging him not to at 14 minutes and 25 seconds. And the crowd hates Loki. I mean, that, that, that is where the mom stuff, because to turn a crowd, to get a crowd, a ring of honor crowd, and any, any, any version of Loki to get him booed is a feat. Uh, it's much like, you know getting Cena cheered. You have to be really fucking good heel to get Cena cheered. Mm-hmm. Um, this they, they, they managed to get key booed uh, by the end of this match. Uh, even if they did pop for him spitting on Mommy. Um, but I liked I, I liked that it's this is the beginning of the uh, of the well, I think this, that I marked this is the beginning of the real story between the two of them, not like the trios tournament beat down or whatever matches they had in the interim, like the, the Punk's final last chip, Punk the final chapter, and any of those other matches. Because of what happens after the fucking the disrespect Key shows him as not proving himself to Key, the fucking American History X curb stomp as he's biting the bottom rope, um, and then the kick. Which goes to prove that Jay Lethal 
is a much more durable human being than Jay Briscoe. Because Jay Briscoe took one of those kicks and it put him out of Ring of Honor for two years. <laughs> Jay Lethal took one of those kicks and was back wrestling 14 days later when I drove him to ROH Gold. <laughs> so, Jay Lethal, Lethal. Jay Lethal is much more durable than Jay Briscoe, apparently. Maybe he should change his name to Jay Durable. He, uh... <laughs> Ah, boy. Wow. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up Jay Lethal and Low Key. Starring Julius Smokes. And speaking of Julius Smokes, he goes to the back and then comes right back out. All right. There's something to be said for spacing. We've had four matches and Smokes is at ringside for three of them. Too much, especially for the amount of interference that he does, and it's too much. Way, way. I mean, much. there were times I'm sure that Bobby Heenan was like walked oh, out with Andre, walked back, turned around, walked right back out with the big boss man, walked back in the back, came right back out with a team. Just like I have seven matches of mine on a nine match card. Well, he said that he should have invested in, in uh, shoe polish yeah. for WrestleMania three because he was out there for, like, five matches yeah, on, like, a 12-match card. But it wasn't five out of the first six. No. And Smokes is out there for three of the first four matches yeah. on this show. And I love Julius Smokes more than probably any other manager in the history of the company besides Sweeney. And, and, and it's just like... Enough. It was too. Much. It was too too much in the top half of the first half of the show. That's 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 all. It's just too much in the first half of the show. Need, needed a break from 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 Julius Smokes. He needed a break. He probably needed a bottle of water and a, <laughs> a, 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 a a funny cigarette and just calm down. Like enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's back out with Homicide. Homicide taking on Nigel McGuinness. And uh, this is an interesting clash of styles. Um, what did you... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you think of this match? I remember enjoying it when it happened, and I enjoyed it now watching it back because it was not at all... It was not at all what this version of Homicide was doing. Yeah, it, it kind of took me aback. They, they, they make some weird references on commentary to Homicide being a changed man because of... Tri- of but three, it was just three months ago he was trying to set Samoa Joe on fire and murder him. And then they're making these weird references like Homicide being a changed man and... 
um, it's just it's it's weird. And what would Homicide say about being a changed man at this point? Yo, I changed shit. I'm gonna take this Nigel, take that iron, shove it up his ass, a fucking limey Brit. I'm gonna fucking lariat him. Kojima, Kojima, Kojima. White bread, wheat bread, rye bread, Jewish rye bread, JSWO. He never called me JSWO. It was always yeah, J- but you're Jewish. That's why I clearly went from Jewish bread to yeah. It was it was J Swow. Yeah, but this is this match is wrestle side. We'll call him wrestle, we'll wrestle side instead of brawl aside. Yeah, wrestle side most of it. You get you get you get the homicide doing the wrestling and the, the limb work and getting limb worked on and and selling his selling ass off. Ass off. I will say that rewind real quick. Key sold his ass off for Lee to win Lee mm-hmm. to get an offense necessary to mark that point because a lot of the shit that Key gets given about not selling. Gangsta Key sold his ass off when it was appropriate. Yeah, because he was a heel. A heel. But this this match to me is also fourth match, first reference to the code of honor or the laws of honor or whatever Gabe is choosing to call them. I you know what? As soon as he opens his mouth and starts talking about it, I immediately start. <laughs> you just start hearing the Simpsons. God, because they don't matter. They're mm-hmm. irrelevant. They're a marketing tool. Yeah, to try and separate yourself. But this match really to me. I think is something that we'll talk about at the end of this show today, plugging our October 29th uh, episode of the show. But this is a hidden gem. And Homicide does not get enough credit for his ability to have a great wrestling match. We know he is an outstanding brawler. You know, like... I think his place in history is etched in stone as being one of the greatest brawlers never to get to WWE. And clearly, I think he should have been at WWE. But at this point, like, Homicide had a couple of classic wrestling matches without weapons and such. Uh, the Bryan match in Chicago, a couple with Punk. Um, you know, uh, the... The historical, you know, nature of homicide is every match he has is a street fight, a brawl with weapons and dives and, you know. But here he's selling, he's doing little things. Like, you know, he hits his arm on the post, uh, which is a throwback to the match with Brian, and so he's got a lariat with the other arm. And it's not as effective. Um, There's just so many little things he does. And Nigel on the flip side, is so young here. Like, looking at him took me back to a lot of fun memories I had locally when I would get to see Nigel local, you know, wrestle locally in small promotions here. And this is very much wrestle, like, British-style Nigel, you know, Limworth Nigel. Strong not, style. Not the McLariot, as y'all would dub him, you know, just a couple years later. Uh, yeah, this is this, this is very much the the Brit British style wrestling Nigel, Proto which was Nigel. entirely different than anything else uh, we were offering at the time. 
and I actually tend to have no issue with British style Nigel, you know? No, not at all. Not at all. It's it's interesting to me that this is a combination we would never really see again either. I think they had what one pure title match when Nigel was a champion. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I really positive on that one. I will I'll tell you specifically when it was, but I do recall they had one pure title match. I yeah, I legitimately have no recall on that. And I I just think it's so cool to just see these two together in a match because they were pillars of this company. Like Well, I mean it, when we when we do yeah. our Hall of Fame episode down the road, I think these two are gonna get a lot of votes for first yeah, ballot. Pure pure title match at Shy Town Struggle. Okay. Yeah and Homicide did they Homicide did this is Okay, according to, uh, and I don't feel like this gets mentioned in commentary at all, but Cage Match bills this as a number one contenders match for the pure title. Hmm. But Homicide also did, they also wrestled for the FIP title at BYOB, night one in FIP. Oh, hey now. But yeah, Bills, this is a number one contenders match and cage match, which they don't say that on commentary at all. So, interestingly enough, easier for me to say, um, Nigel, throughout this match early on, doesn't really show a lot of like visceral emotion. And then Homicide brings it out of him by out-wrestling him. Mm-hmm. What a great way to translate this, like, monotone Nigel, who's still very young in the business, maybe two or three years in at this point, and Homicide is seven years in at this point. Yeah. And they're just finding ways to change the pace of the match by Homicide out-wrestling Nigel. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that was such a brilliant little twist, and I would be curious to know the backstory of of how they got to that. But uh, one of the the real highlights for me, Nigel hits this crazy German suplex, and Homicide goes low to block it for a second, and he starts motioning over to the referee about how Nigel went low and tried to low-blow him. And Julius Smokes is choking Nigel in the background, interfering. And Homicide, uh, his arm is weakened, of course, by this point. Uh, We've seen a lot of hammer locks from Nigel. They really have this, like, unique chemistry. Yeah, they worked surprisingly worked well. I guess, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of things, it just was something that was never gone back to unintentionally. Mm Mm-hmm. Long term, but I would have loved to have seen these two guys continual, you know, and have a little more, yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of that one match at, at uh, Chi Town Struggle and uh, BYOB. 
it's so weird that they, they, I'm looking at it going, how is this? I'm assuming it was not. Maybe they said it on the website or something because, well, Cage Match said this is the number one contenders match. There, at no point does Nigel ever wrestle John Walters for the pure title. <laughs> no. Unless it was... Homicide gets a shot at John Walters before Nigel does. Yeah, I was going to say, Nigel and Walters had a singles match at some point. At, at right? Glory by Honor 3. The, the okay. show right before this, yeah. Okay, so my timeline was a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... I just think it's it's so interesting to see, especially this Nigel, who is so far left in his style... Versus Homicide, who's so far to the right in his style, and they meet in the middle, and it's this sweet spot uh, of wrestling. I love this match. Yeah. Uh, absolutely adored it. I wish we could have explored more of it. Um, but this is one of those matches that is going to be on my hidden gems list. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I'd rank it, but it's definitely going to be on my, my top five, probably. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I really love this match. I thought it was great. Uh, I think it went the perfect amount of time to leave me wanting more. It's weird, though, is that the crowd until the finish did not seem to give a shit. No, they but were that's not because they Nigel, Nigel never connected with them doing the British style. I guess, and they weren't into it until Nigel won. And then they were in it. They were into Nigel for the win, mm-hmm. but they just weren't super into the match and that kind of I don't know if that's a result of the key match because the crowd kind of stays that way until we get into the reunion segment I felt like too. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there's there's always an interesting relationship between Philadelphia and Nigel uh, based over the years. I, like, I saw him go from being beloved in his chase to being, as soon as he won the belt, nobody gave a shit and booed him out of the building. Philly was the first market, I think, to really turn on him completely before he turned on the crowd. And then in the early days... Well, they turned on him right after he won the belt the Masao weekend. Yeah. they They didn't... In the early days, though, you know, he did that show in in, uh, Elizabeth. um, I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, Weekend of Thunder? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the the tag match. Yeah. Well, his debut was in in Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, but I was thinking... No, that was Revere that I was thinking of, the tag match of Weekend of Thunder Weekend. It was like... There was this general ambivalence in the early days because that style didn't connect with the East Coast. And really, I'd see him locally and he would do some of that stuff and people didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked so different than what they were used to seeing and all of a sudden, now he's changing it up and he's doing British Strong Style and that clicks. So he's just feeling it out, changing his character up. Um, they go 20 minutes in one second. Uh, they went over their time. Yeah, that one Fire. second was so essential to... That's why all the entrances were clipped for the first two matches. 
Nigel hits the uh, baited neckbreaker for two. Uh, he goes to the top. Smokes blocks him up top. Homicide hits the ace crusher. He hits the lariat with the left arm. Uh, that gets two count. He goes for it with his injured right arm, which Nigel had been working on the entire match. Nigel blocks it. He avoids the cop killer. He does the artful dodger and hits the separation anxiety lariat. Uh, he puts on an arm submission and homicide fights out of that, only to be caught for a quick roll up with a flash pin. Twenty minutes, one second. Another thing that speaks to the level of skill of both men: they were working the right arm the entire time because that's his lariat arm. Mm-hmm. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As opposed to working the left arm, because that's what you do, is work left. So I th- that, that to me, that also speaks to the abilities of people to change up the norm, the habit, what you're used to doing, what is like second nature to do. To do the one thing that I I think is so hard when you have all this stuff planned out and you have to talk through a wrestling match and communicate, but to think and stay consistent in thinking. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the the best way for this thing to... uh, You're working Lucha style without working Lucha. Yeah. You're working it. Yeah. Yo, we gotta do lucha. I'm a British man. I don't do lucha. Oh, it's... yo. Oh, your Nigel sounds like Russian. British? Yeah, it sounds Russian. Nigel, my Nigel is fine. I watch Pennyworth. Oh, good lord. Different kinds of accents. Different kinds of British accents. Br- British accents? Yes. Well, that uh, that was really fun. Homicide was a good heel in that match too, which I think Nigel was... got the big upset, which I think was the big and yeah, really Nigel, big story of it. Nigel has beaten a frustrated Homicide. Uh, he outclassed him with a lot of his wrestling. Homicide tried to match him, and I I'm left wanting more, which I think is always the sign of a great wrestling match is wanting more. But much like all great shows, we do have to go to take a serious intermission break. And we head to the Scoopster, or as Nigel called him, Mr. Magoo, Gary Michael Capetta. And he is—he mentions it's feared Jay Lethal has suffered a concussion. And then Alex Shelley, alongside Generation Next of Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, and from the heavens, Jack Evans, they kick him out of the interview. And they tell him to take a hike. Alex Shelley says Gen Next is taking all the spots. He says their opposing team can bring whomever they want. God, Martin Luther King, Ricky the Steamboat Dragon, it doesn't matter. Gen Next is headed to the next level. And uh, Alex Shelley's promo here reminded me of Bagel Boss Guy. Uh, You're not God, my boss, or my father, so you can't tell me what to do, which popped me. Um... If you haven't seen Bagel Boss Guy on the internet, 
head over to YouTube, Bagel Boss Guy. Uh, I highly, highly recommend you watch that. It's hysterical. Um, but Alex Shelley is an awesome promo here. The confidence that he exudes. Yes, give, give, give love to an insecure, tiny little shitbag talking terrible to he- of women. Bagel Boss Guy is an asshole. The video is of him getting knocked out because yes, he opened his hilarious. mouth. That's hysterical. Yes, yes it is. Like, he's so tiny, and he's yelling at police officers, and the police mm-hmm. officer puts him in handcuffs. He's a maniac. Yeah. He, yep. he was yes, a... Spo- people put him on the TV. Yep. He was supposed to fight Lenny Dykstra, and then he... Lenny Dykstra had to back out, and he was going to fight Screech. And then Bagel Boss guy did a swerve, and he quit, because he said the best way to knock out your opponent is to not get knocked out by your opponent. So he no-showed the fight. That was on Fight TV this past weekend. Um, oh, good lord. Yeah. Screech versus right. Bagel Boss. Bagel guy. Boss, this, this douchebag's already gotten enough into our attention. Let's talk about the other douchebags. I'm joking. They're not douchebags. They just sit there. It's three guys just standing there watching this other guy talk. Well, Roddy, just, looks, Roddy looks super uncomfortable. Aries is just staring at the camera like a fucking serial killer. And Jack is just kind of like the only one reacting to anything that Shelly is saying. It, these remind one me of dude. One dude talked to four people for like four minutes. So I, I will. I'll make a comparison. Should have made it a fucking Survivor Series promo. Let everybody say something for one minute. So that's where I was gonna go with. Okay. Like the Survivor Series style promos. That, that's it's exactly the vibe. This match was this match yeah. was a Survivor Series match. That's the vibe I got from both sets Except of promos. Is the Ring of Honor equivalent of the tag team Survivor Series matches with 97 people and it went way too fucking long and bored the and, shit Yeah, we'll get to the, the shit show of a match with with so much talent here in a second, but you know, the, the early days of the Survivor Series, um, 87, 88, 89, every team got a promo, but usually there was one guy doing the promo, or they had the managers doing the promos. And obviously Gen Next doesn't have a manager, so Alex Shelley being the most competent uh, of the talkers uh, cuts this promo and it's amazing that you know last week I got to see Alex Shelley wrestle Joey Janela and here we are 15 years ago Alex Shelley is still the most confident speaker in front of an audience and here he's doing it backstage but Point being, like, he as a heel and as a babyface connects to that audience directly. And I'm trying really hard to, to network with him to get him on the show uh, to do an interview. It's just, it's much like our mystery guest from a few weeks ago, Jimmy Jacobs. It's not easy to track him down and get get things scheduled. But with Alex, he is the voice of Generation Next. He's the leader. He's the one that did the majority of the talking, at least for another couple of months. Um, you know, when he would obviously be removed from the group, uh, and that storyline would start during this match that comes up. But this match that is now brought to you by Chobani Strawberry Greek Yogurt because I'm fucking hungry. Oh well, then uh, Sugar Sean Price is backstage with the opponents for Generation Next. 
the eclectic group of CM Punk, Jimmy Jacobs, our guest available in the archives, twice over, uh, a special interview as well as uh, From Love to Hate. Uh, the DVD that Shane helped produce the Jimmy Jacobs story uh, John Walters the pure champion and Crazy Ace Steel or is he Sexy Ace Steel at this point or is he Crazy Sexy Ace Steel he's Crazy Sexy Cool Ace Steel ah uh, see what you did there You're about to get uh, the red lights special oh hey oh. Uh, and they're with Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. If you're wondering why I'm calling him Ricky the Steamboat Dragon, I'll hand the microphone over to the man we're celebrating the 15th anniversary of his debut, Mr. Shane Hagedorn. Wow, oh, simple. My wife thought that's what his name was. I thought it was Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. The day she helped him um, sell his 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 gimmicks at the Rexplex. Not by the Maui Wowie stand. And yes, spittled his Maui Wowie onto her. Thank you. Punk says he's got a task ahead. He's ready. His team is ready. This was very much like a hokey Survivor Series promo like I talked about earlier. And Ricky Steamboat says he's fought hardcore before. And these are the best pure wrestlers out there. And that wraps us up as Sugar Sean Price sends us to the ring. For, for another Ricky Steamboat promo. Yeah. We just did a promo, and now we're doing a promo in the ring. Yeah, a live. This is, this is, this is um, bad production. Yep. Uh, the ongoing... I'm going to say formatting. What would that formatting? Formatting. I think that's fair. The ongoing Gen X versus the World feud continues, rages on, um... This match was made as a way to capitalize on the eight-man tag from the tent. Spoiler, uh, it ain't as good. Not even fucking not even, close. Not even close to the tag matches that would happen uh, after that, too, that are also attempting to capitalize on that. Um, it's, it's amazing, like... I, I just... So the fact that you said, like, Hokey Survivor Series promo... That's what this match made me think of. Exactly yeah. that. Like a, it had its. It's like an updated version of a Survivor Series match. Like everybody kind of gets their spots, their spot to shine, and they do their things, and they get in their moves. But it's just like fucking too long and uninteresting, and the crowd pretty much gives zero shits once punks once punk gets eliminated. Well, and I don't think this crowd live got that this is supposed to be Survivor Series. Like, I think that the concept by this point, I mean, we're in 2004 here. The concept by this point of Survivor Series had gone the way of the Dodo Bird. Yeah, they didn't really, had stepped away from doing the traditional Survivor Series tag matches, yeah. And to me, that's, that's the thing. Like, I love... 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97. And then Survivor Series was the shits. It still is the shits. The rest of the way. Just do five on five. 
Give the guys a night off. Have a network special and do the fucking Survivor Series. God damn it! Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see teams of five strive to survive. I want to see teams of 25. I want to see teams of four. Who wants it more? Like, give me... Teams of three. Who's going to work for free? There was a team of three that worked for free earlier in the night. I do believe. Am I correct? Yeah. Um. No way. I think I got paid. I might have got. No, I mean, I got paid as a cameraman, but right. Uh. Yeah. They probably. Yeah. They probably did work for free this night. Guessing. You know, I, I hate talking about money on this show, but. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't recall aside from the outlier uh, make good for the shitty situation at our best payment. I don't remember when we started getting actual money for doing stuff. Probably shortly thereafter. Hmm. Now that we're officially having matches. So, I guess to get back to this match, uh, Ricky Steamboat, I don't either. Steamboat, who is uh, the babyface manager here, he tells Mick Foley on the microphone that uh, Mick Foley, by the way, not here. Uh, everybody else in the world from 1980 apparently is, though. Goddamn! Uh, tells Foley that he doesn't like the fact that he came to ROH and dubbed it Ring of Hardcore. He calls him a stunt man, uh, which, of course, is, you know, basically verbatim from Ric Flair's book. I didn't understand that. Um, and, you know, basically continuing on the Steamboat versus Foley feud that would culminate it. Final battle? Um, I think it was Final Battle. Yeah, they had a fight with that on in Final Battle 2004. Yep. Nothing the says... Group, the current group BJ and Moff. Nothing says uh, pure pure wrestling like versus hardcore like a fight without honor. Yeah, we had thumbtacks. And thumbtacks, yes. Uh, but this starts out with uh, John Walters and Roderick Strong. And, uh, you know, we're not going to do play-by-play for this whole thing. And jump cuts into it, too. Yeah. Because I feel like there was it's, something else that happened. The promo just kind of does, you know, they do a little zoom-dissolve gimmicky thing. And now we're joined in mid-arm drag because... Ricky Steamboat loves John Walters' arms drags. As that that's what I was my memory was refreshed about that plot point by the most recent episode of Through the Years covering Round Robin Challenge Three. And I have to Ricky apologize Steamboat. to Trevor and Matt, because I didn't know that had been released yet, so I have not actually heard that episode oh, yet. You're a terrible human. But by the time this you, makes air, I will should listen. probably go punish yourself. Push-ups? No, no. Like, I don't know. Sure. Maybe. Go do 100 jumping jacks. Okay, I can do that. Um, Walters... Go do and- 10 minutes of jumping jacks. No, thank you. I can do 100, not not 10 minutes. I don't have that kind of cardio. Or knees. I got no knees left. Um, but there. So the, the Survivor Series element of this is elimination after elimination and like everybody gets a shine and then they're immediately beaten and dispersed. 
So the first elimination comes when Aries hits Jimmy Jacobs with a chair. Shelly hits the shell shock and pins Jacobs 13.53. What a bump Jacobs takes on that shell shock. <laughs> Shelly just like ragdolls him over and boom, his whole body flops around. And- yeah. Yeah. He's got great selling here. It, it's, as, as I've said, you know, those two guys had just immaculate chemistry with each other. Uh, they wrestled so many times that I don't think they really needed to have a conversation before they got in the ring together. But uh, the one thing I did notice in between the first elimination of Jacobs and when Jack Evans is dumped out about seven minutes later is Roddy and Punk had a very interesting chemistry together. Like, noticeably good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Because uh, that would play down the line into the future. Uh, twice, I do believe. Uh, but... Next up, elimination. Ace Steel hits Jack Evans with the spinal shock. That gets a three count. 20 minutes, 16 seconds. Uh, Punk hits the mule kick on Strong. Walters hits him with a lung blower. Aries hits Steel with a crucifix bomb, and that eliminates him a mere 30-some seconds later. And Walters comes back in. He takes the Golden Gate swing from Aries. For a two count, Aries hits the sidewalk slam for a two and STO for a two. These rapid fire pinfalls, like the lone exciting portion of this match. Uh, Strong comes in. He's got a chair because, you know, weapons are apparently legal in this match and the referee is turned There's off the So, and that's just not the story of this match. There is, in the three, the the smokes related matches in this. There's so much fucking interference that requires the referees to just either just ignore it willfully. Like when smokes grabs lethal and is holding him for key to chop and the ref is watching it and does nothing mm-hmm. or instances like this, where it's butcher. It's butcher's rules. Raven's rules. ECW rules. Butcher's rules. Whatever. God damn. That makes no sense. Uh, but Roderick just, Strong come, comes in with the chair. Punk takes it from him and drills him with it. Just a brutal, brutal chair shot. Uh, Shelly gets dropped toehold onto the ref and gets disqualified. Uh, Steamboat chews him out for being hardcore on his way to the back. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, the guy who just had a massive... Uh borderline death match in Chicago in July <laughs> is getting chewed out for using a chair that match had barbed wire and a chair riot and he's getting chewed out for well he got disqualified because yeah, he lost his temper Yeah, well, should have been like old man I will fuck you up again I'll put you through another table that doesn't stand up right yeah I mean that that, that was just that and this is where the match lost me at this point. Like it lost the crowd, it lost me. It had gone on too long. I understand if it's elimination, it's going to go a little longer than normal. But I don't know when I was just like being fucking long. Yeah, I mean it, it just it was too much. Um, 
Shelly would tag in. Uh, Walter starts hitting lung blowers on everyone in sight, and he eliminates Roderick Strong. Aries puts the rings of Saturn on Walters up next. Uh, Strong comes back out with the chair. You know, he's already been eliminated, but Steamboat chases him away uh, in another pointless portion of this match. Aries puts Strong on top, of, but Walters escapes. Uh, he hits a super lung blower. Alex Shelley makes a save. Shelley hits the super kick and the shell shock, but Walters gets his foot on the ropes, and nobody cared. This so Aaron's Punk got eliminated. Nobody cared. But that whatever. was like a moment where they should have cared. Yeah, but they didn't. So Aries hits the 450, and that is it at 34 minutes and 13 seconds. Your sole survivors, Austin Aries and Alex Shelley. They're clearly not sole survivors because there's two of them. Well, your survivors. Survivors, whatever. I'm a survivor. I got to go get up. Goddamn! Ah, book this shit. Ah. Yes, which just in turn is, but I mean it's good. It took a, in the sense that it took me it took forty fucking minutes to get there, but this is just setting up where we're going to come back to in two months in Philly. Yeah, and the most cruel twists of fate and yeah. horrible booking decisions in the reign of Gabe Spolsky. Uh We get, of course, the. the the whole thing here is, you know, who is the leader of Generation Next? Well, to me, it's Alex Shelley. Jack Evans. <laughs> I'm just sorry. If I was going to follow any of these dudes, it, it would be Jack. He has no money. <laughs> I'm following Jack. Uh, well, there's Blue Monsters wherever Roderick Strong is. Rockstars. So, Rockstars. Rockstar, blue Rockstars. So... Do you want blue rock stars? Do you want Eminem? I'm just trying to hang out with Jack. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to follow Jack's lead. Well, just wherever that may roam. Uh, but this this is just bizarre. Um, there wasn't uh, anything that made me say, like, eh, this is great, a great match. There were a couple other, like, cool things in the match, but nothing. But it's, 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 it's also who it bad. was. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not like who made up that original 10 man tag or 8 man tag in the Briscoe who the fuck now I'm forgetting it was the Briscoes the Briscoes Jimmy, Jimmy Rave and, and uh, John Walters was it? I don't think so mm. regardless it just it had a whole different feel to it um and I think be- literally because we're doing the kind of going for the exact same thing five months later in the exact same venue, albeit indoors instead of under a tent, uh, it just it doesn't. You know, even with that, I think that's why they pug the crowd just once punks eliminated or just like whatever. You knew where this was. You knew that I think that was the one punks presence in the match was the one thing that left the outcome in any kind of doubt. Mm-hmm. As soon as he was eliminated, it's like you, you know, Gen X is winning, and just get to the point. And that point being, and, and that Walter and Walters, I don't think the fans gave enough of a shit about Walters to invest in him uh, fighting from underneath against two guys. Correct. If that was Punk in that position, I think that would have been a different story. Yeah. Even, and I could make the argument, even Jimmy Jacobs, 
lasting to the end there. Well, and especially considering that Punk was supposed to be wrestling Alex Shelley in two weeks, in two weeks, not wrestling Samoa Joe. Yeah. So Punk being in that match to possibly to me to me like looking okay this is a match we have booked in two weeks taking the fall to Alex sets up that. Well, one thing that would get set up coming out of this match is as the match ends and Gen Next of Shelly and Aries are your survivors, they argue over who will take the next Ring of Honor world title shot from Samoa Joe. And they decide to agree that Gen Next will be dominant nonetheless. But Aries has a particular look on his face that uh, leads me to believe something was in the works. So I don't I don't know if maybe that was completely unintentional that he had that look on his face but it was noticeable. Well he was already planning to sabotage the plane so he got stuck in the airport. In <laughs> exactly. I'll show you Alex Shelley you think you lead Gen next. I control the airplanes. I'm the puppet master. I may not be more than five foot three, but I control airplanes. Amen. You're five six. Mr. Five Nine I'm five nine. Uh, and the Mr. Five Nine Live shirt is available at itsadvdproduct.com. But up next is my favorite non wrestling segment in the history of Ring of Honor main shows. It is the last time in the history of Earth that this man on my tennis racket, goddamn, he's a heel, would be a baby face in ever, in all the world. Um, Jim Cornette, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, Dennis Condry, the Midnight Express all make their way to the ring. Jim Cornette introduces the Midnights individually. Stan Lane wearing Jinko jeans. Fuck yeah. <laughs> which... Honestly, I had forgotten that he Fuck wore it. that repertoire. Uh, it was something. Uh, does his own introduction as he did uh, the gangster of love, Stan Lane, uh, as Cornette refers to him. Cornette thanks the Express for giving him a career. Uh, he gives the mic to beautiful Bobby Eaton. He says that uh, thank you and then hands the mic over to Dennis Condry. Uh you know, they, they joke about that was the most Bobby Eaton had said in 30 years, which, uh, honestly, I don't ever remember a Bobby Eaton promo, ever. <laughs> so, that may have been, like, the first time that I had heard his voice. Um, Con- Dennis Condry, who famously disappeared and just quit, um, you know, he talks... Uh, you know, talks about you know having the time of his life teaming with Bobby uh, and working with Cornette and the classic matches that they had. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, both versions of the Midnight's had great matches with the Rock and Rolls. And um, then we get a little bit emotional. Um, he, Jim Cornette talks about the recently departed Big Boss Man, Big Bubba, Ray Trailer. Um, I did not know that the 
date of his passing was so close until I went back and rewatched this, but it was 10 days prior to the show. Oh. It was September 22nd, 2004. Gotcha. My mom's birthday. So I didn't know, was, was Bubba supposed to be part of this? Not that I recall that ever being a thing. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, but he, he passed away 10 days prior to the show. The crowd, you know, does a, a big cheer for the big boss man. And this is a really cool segment uh, up until this point. And then the volume gets turned up. No, not in a way like I, I listen to my, my death metal evil music. But goddamn, that Prince Nana, he came out to the ring and spoiled my goddamn party. The embassy, Prince Nana... <laughs> make their way out to the ring and uh, Nana praises the Midnight Express but says the fans don't deserve to see them he compares himself to Jim Cornette who sells this in complete shock Uh, Nana retorts by bringing out the newest member of the embassy the man that he emptied his bank accounts and had to borrow money for the real express as he calls him Ricky Morton Ricky Morton having a renaissance tour in 2004. Meanwhile, in 2019, 15 years later, the Rock... Renaissance tour, he never stopped. There's no renaissance, he just never stopped. And now he works New Japan tours, apparently, Mm -hmm. with Robert Gibson. Yeah, I watched the New York show. It's funny watching... He does a Canadian Destroyer. It's funny watching Naito put heat... On uh, on Ricky Morton. Whole point of this to me, so Gabe could say he got to make Ricky Morton the heel. Yeah, which just like something. with just like with Steamboat, <laughs> get to make the perennial babyface be a heel. Well, and that's that was the age of the fall idea as well. Years before it actually came to be. Uh, is having that old grizzled veteran that mm-hmm. this is all he knows. Yep. Um, but uh, Ricky gets on the microphone and uh, the entire embassy comes down. Uh, they run down the crowd. Morton is just healing on everybody, wearing his regular standard ring gear. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a battle between Ricky Morton and Jim Cornette on the microphone. And that ends up in a brawl with the Midnight Express and the Embassy. Of course, the Midnights get the better of the bunch. And uh, for whatever reason, they're babyfaces here. It's Philadelphia. They were babyfaces in Philly. Um, Morton chooses the high road, and he shoves Prince Nana into the Midnight Express uh, and takes a rocket launcher, complete with splash from Bobby Eaton off the top rope. Uh Cornette puts on the crown. He gets a standing ovation from a Philadelphia crowd. Um, my God, like this is so in 2019, this is a stunning visual in 2004. This was the coolest thing. I think ring of honor had done, uh, from a non wrestling standpoint. Uh, and it, it holds up so well 15 years later. 
the funny the funniest part of the entire thing is when JC is going at it at Morton and he makes the the, the quote is something the uh, equivalent to we had the good goddamn sense to retire <laughs> and I'm like hold on except for the fact that in 2004 the Midnight Express won the IWC tag team titles in December of 2004. Well, Stan retired. And, uh, you know, he says Bobby. we. He collectively, collectively says we had the good goddamn sense to retire. I will never the Midnight Express was God still me. running. They, ran, they, had, they wrestled a match on October 30th of 2004. Nobody was fucking retired in this except for Dennis Condry. <laughs> He's no, the only Stan, one. Dennis was working still. So Stan, was, I mean, was Stan was the only one who was actually retired. Jim Cornette is still go. working. Here he works go. for the NWA. Yes. And Dave Lagana, who is available in the like, archives. Even in-ring stuff. August of 2005. Bobby and Dennis Condry and Stan Lane versus Mick Foley, Dory, and Terry in a match. Oh, God. <laughs> but I was just look at stuff that was closer to like 2004 and it was just like hilarious like no no one had the good goddamn sense to retire nobody was retired except Stan Lane this probably wasn't even his choice no he he legitimately like got hired by ESPN to host a, a motorboat racing show on like ESPN 2 in the mornings on Saturdays yeah and then he got a radio show out of it and yeah he he realized that bumping was not a way to make a living, and he yeah. got out while he could. Yeah. But it just like how weird is it to see like Cornette being, you know, fellated essentially by the crowd in Philadelphia. Now, if you were to go back there, he would be booed out of the fucking. Oh building. bullshit! They'd still fucking cheer him. They they would still. They won't cheer me. Cheer him. I'm a heel. Goddamn. Those stupid young bucks and all the rest of them. They'd still um, be cheered. That little mud show. Joey Janela. And maybe Joey he would Janella. be booed. Maybe he yeah. would be booed. Maybe he would be booed. Kenny Olivier. It's, it's just it's the, the, the fickleness of fans. I, I always my brain always reverts back to like ECW. I I can honestly and, and the amount of shit that you know and heat that Ric Flair was given by Shane Douglas promos and Shawn Michaels, but if they would have ever set foot in the ECW arena, they would have been hailed as heroes. Sid was treated, and I fucking love Sid Vicious, Mm -hmm. but he was treated like the second coming when he showed up in ECW for the first time. And Boy, he was the an- Look at him. He was, God the an- damn, he's a monster. he was the antithesis of everything that ECW presented itself as being. They Dusty Rhodes had the street cred to be accepted. Let's say hypothetically. No, I mean, that's the difference. Whereas I, I, I don't know. I don't so- know. So the modern-day equivalent to that would be Cornette going and doing something in AEW. That would be the modern-day equivalent of ECW, hardcore fans, they play along with the show. Cornette did show up in ECW with Jerry Lawler. Yeah. 
Would Cornette be any way, shape, or form cheered by the AEW audience? Nah. Nah. No. I don't I don't see any way, shape, or form. They hate me. It's on my show. Even though they're on TNT and I'm jealous. I can't be there. I gotta host a podcast with Jackass Brian Last. Um, but in all sincerity, like watching this segment and Nana taking the rocket launcher and Jimmy Rave getting the powder and Ricky Morton shoving Nana into Cornette, like this is a great nostalgia thing, and it's a lost art to have something like this in 2019. Well, to have the well, I think in part because it's all been fucking beaten to death. Yeah, the this was special in that it was the first. It was the first time they were all together, and it was the first time in like 15 years that they had been that that they had been together in any shape or form. So to me. Uh, that it 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 as opposed to we'll go with the nostalgia because again it's the highest profile thing to do it we'll go with the nostalgia acts when WWE decides to do it Raw they've last done, night they've done them I have no idea what happened aside from the way the show ended um, oh, they've done them. oh no 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 they did see the Flair Hogan bullshit mm-hmm. they the the we TNA did this a decade ago match yes. Um, my what I my point is I'm in reference to like the Raw Homecoming. They just did that at the Raw anniversary where they did the split show from the Hammerstein and for from the Grand Ballroom and from um, from Barclays. They do it so much that it's just the diminishing returns. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. Aside from Austin, really, like I'm sure the Rock. I, this SmackDown has already happened when this will actually air. I'm sure he'll get a fucking monstrous reaction because he has not been on in forever. But, you know, Flair pops up every few months when he needs to pay off his debt, I suppose, to Vince McMahon. Uh, I mean, Christ, wasn't he, isn't he suing, or did that go away? I'm going to sue the company well, over the man. So, so last night, as, as the Nature Boy is walking out, he is now a 17-time World champion. Right. Is that the trade-off? I won't sue you for be for saying the man if you acknowledge one of my phantom title changes from I, fucking Puerto Rico or something. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, uh, but but you've seen it so many fucking times. So that it, it's there's it doesn't mean anything anymore. And this meant something so much to this fan base because the Midnights and Philadelphia had a very special bond. Yeah, they treated them like fucking baby faces. So how, there was a Halloween Havoc. Is that what that show was? Uh, was in Philly? With the with the dynamic dudes. Is that what it that was? One? Where they're just totally respond. Yeah, I think so. Is that Halloween it, it was Havoc? a clash. Yeah, that was a clash. Okay. Change. They're just totally res- they're treated like baby faces, and the bleach blonde fucking baby face dynamic dudes are just shit all over because they screamed the standard typical wrestling baby face. And it was Cornette managing the dynamic dudes in a neutral corner while managing the Midnights. And he had been managing the dudes for a while, trying to get them something, and nobody cared. And he finally turned on them, and the people just went, 
fucking bananas. And Philly and the Midnights have always had this really cool relationship as heels that doing this reunion in Philadelphia with a group, Jimmy Rave, uh, the Outcast Killers, uh, and then obviously throw Ricky Morton in here for a little extra spice on top, like, and Nana, of course, who's essential in all this, this was a perfect segment. Yeah, it achieved its goal. It made, and it was against people that they could do this to, you know. You can make yeah. the argument for, you know, they they beat, you know, the, they let the old guys get up on the young guys, but that's what it needed to be. And at this point, it was fine. I was okay with that as far as, like, who they chose to use in that role. You know, if it had been Jen Next, for example, in the gym, in the embassy role, no, 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 no. Not at all. But the embassy was still in its coming infancy. out of being in, in its infancy as well. No, not in its infancy because at this point we'd fucking seen the Josh Daniels and the Xavier and whatnot. Well, the, the, the this Rave was just the be- this was the very beginning of the Jimmy Rave era, turning an embassy into something more than just uh, a comedy, uh, like joke, lower mid card, ha ha, squash him and move on sort of act. Uh, so it worked for them. It worked for it to be Nana. And the visual of Cornette with Nana's crown on is, is quite amusing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just, it's one of those can't, 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 can't help but look at it in, in the modern lens and just think of as much love as he gets at this point that just, you know, six, not even, what, 2000, yeah, six years later, seven years later, he's relatively reviled by the Ring of Honor fan base um, by like 2011 by the Sinclair era of, there, of, of Ring of Honor. There is a part of me that can separate this Jim Cornette and the caricature Ta- that talent versus cr- Talent Jim Cornette versus creative Jim Cornette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, podcasts. Jim Cornette, I think, is another. Well, I, I don't hate listening to things, unlike some of my friends. So I, I'm guilty of that. But I honestly, like, all due respect to Jim, he's a legend in the business. He made a lot of money in the NWA and in the WWF, and lost a lot of money with Smoky Mountain, and, and you know, virtually has done it all. He's a Hall of Famer, regardless of how no doubt you feel about him. But he has a way of speaking. And, and a certain set of phrases that, quite frankly, I I kind of use it as, like, material for me as to how to... Oh, hard-pressed to find somebody is, even if a lot of it's old and dated, recycled material, mm-hmm. um, to find somebody as quick. Humble words, you know, in, in his fucking, at the top of his game... You're going to be hard pressed to find anybody as quick witted on their feet with their the gift of gab as as Jim Cornette. And it's true, and it's, it's and just something run, that, run their mouth until something comes out that makes any bit of sense. And when he has his hits, um, mm-hmm. you know they're they're good. Like I've used the thank you, fuck you, bye in conversation. Like that's 
you know, that's a Jim Cornette line. Um, I, I listen to his show and I sit there and I just, sometimes it makes me sad. Other times it doesn't because I find some of what he says to be so ridiculous that it's funny. And then others, other things he says when he talks bad about people I consider to be, you know, people that I socialize with, the Joey Janellas of the world. Um, it's insulting. Uh, I think if he were to not be in gimmick, I don't know if he would be able to admit that a guy like Joey worked his ass off to get to his spot. Um... You know, some of the comments he's made about you, I think, are absurd. Some of the comments he he's made about other people we know, I think, to be ridiculous. But calling Greg Gilliland Greg the Office Boy, okay, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I pop. I think it's funny. I still call him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just. There are things with Jim that I agree on and things that I don't, and he's a very divisive person. Uh, Like you said, a man with a gift of gab that is virtually unmatched. Yep. And uh, he gave wrestling fans a lot, and this segment is a great example of a positive that he contributed to the business. And, uh, you know... I said when we covered Wrath of the Racket, he was one of the he was one of the selling points for me to make that trip down to Dayton for Wrath of the Racket. God damn, that's right. I was a selling point. Yeah. God damn. He was the selling point for my buddy that went with me. Oh, I was the selling point for my friend's friend. Yeah. God damn it. Heal. Double cheese, double onions, mayo. Special sauce. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what else goes on a burger. I don't eat them. To all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Goddamn. Sounds delicious. The Wendy's. It's a big Mac. Fuck them. But regardless, this is a special night. Uh, the show is called Midnight Express Reunion because the Midnight Express did in fact reunite and I as a matter of good faith and it did feel event, so good it did as a matter of good faith I am putting away the ceremonial tennis racket prop that I bought at Walmart for four dollars yesterday uh, away uh, <clears throat> as we get ready to pay some bills and discuss our main event of the evening this episode of an honorable mention is presented by patreon.com slash an honorable pod become a patron today and get exclusive perks you won't get anywhere else like early access to the shows uncut and commercial free a discount at it's a dvd product.com watch along bonus shows that you won't get anywhere else and more patreon.com slash an honorable pod become a patron today and be someone that's worthy of an honorable mention well hot out of the break of paying our bills we do in a Head to the main event of the evening. Uh, after a pretty solid show so far, we get to see a Ring of Honor world title match that is many years in the making. And that is the Ring of Honor world champion. <laughs> many years in the making. 
<laughs> for a company that's been around not even for barely two years. Well, they had a couple of matches before. <laughs> it's just I love I love know? wrestling and it's hyper. And Brian has never had a title shot. No, he doesn't deserve one. So we have the Ring of Honor World Champion Samoa Joe defending against the American Dragon Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had two matches prior to this against one against one another in Ring of Honor. Uh, both of them pretty good. Um, certainly not at the level of this match by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but essentially. Brian earned this title shot by his victory in Survival of the Fittest, which took place in June. Uh, an important show in the history of the Hagedorn family. And available in the archives. Yeah, interesting how that can, that full circle kind of thing that I like, where you're connecting the dots. You know, that show was important to you and your family, uh, you and Mary specifically. And then you make your debut on this show, where Brian earns his title shot. Gotcha. Pretty cool. Totally premeditated. Oh, well then. I planned it. It's work. It's work. Hmm? Uh, No, 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 no. I'm I'm Dr. Manhattan, and this is Earth One. You're all my puppets. Well, we are... No idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Now, I know Dr. Manhattan, the yes, Watchman. You know what Earth 1 is. You don't know what Earth 0 is. Well, I know there's All a bunch stars. of Earths because I watched The Flash. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's um, the worst show of the entire batch of CW shows now. Uh, well, we could thank one Bradley Schwartz for that suggestion. Uh, binge, make me binge watch that, my, my little brother. Uh, forcing me to watch it and learn who the Flash was because I literally had never heard of the Flash. Very I've true. also never watched Star Wars. No, also very true. Lord of the Rings movie. Nope. Oh, James Bond movie. No, I've seen all the James Bond movies. Oh, okay. So we found something you at least watch in a movie theater. Uh, I've seen a couple Harry Potters in the theaters and then I've seen them all in, in total, uh, yeah, in, Indian, Indiana Jones I saw for the first time like four or five years ago. Wow! And Back to the Future I saw right around the same time. All three of them. Have you seen Ghostbusters? Oh, oh yeah, I love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two are two of my all-time favorite movies. Rocky? Never seen a Rocky movie. You're like Grizzly Redwood's least favorite human. That that is probably not incorrect. Based on this morning's conversation, as we are taping on day two here, but um, just let's just put it this way: we're, not, we're in Jeff's new name is uh, is is Don Jardine. That's right, best working big man in the business. Um, but. Uh, in all reality, though, this, this match deserves a ton of praise. Uh, a little bit of history between the two. Brian was one of Joe's many partners that he had facing off against the Briscoes, trying to become double champion. Obviously, that didn't work out as Joe is still the uncrowned Ring of Honor tag team champion, having never won the belt. 
uh, alongside a partner of his choosing. And uh, if we go all the way back to Final Battle, 2003, available in the archives, uh, Joe and Brian split the evening against the Briscoes. Joe and Mark, Brian and Jay. And uh, that brings us all full circle to where we are here on October 2nd. 2004. It is Joe and Brian for the Ring of Honor World title. And uh, this is Brian's first ever title shot, which kind of surprised me in theory, but he was gone for a while. Yeah, so he, he dipped in and out of the, of the company, so it's not it's not as if he was there consistently enough to get a title match. Uh, you know, he... No, excuse me. New Japan, doing tours of Europe. And yeah, he was he was out and about, traversing the world. Bouncing around, and, and that meant he bounced his way back into Philadelphia to the National Guard Armory today for this title match. And they start out kind of slow, um, but everything is done with purpose. Joe favors his leg. Brian attacks that. Um kind of interesting how the the knee and the ankle for Joe were like his targets over the years almost oh. that was what isn't he that, isn't like, that the pro wrestling this guy's bigger we hit his, his knees that is pro wrestling 101 I guess but you know that everybody always had like their one body part they worked on or had worked the, on the punk the punk match where it was work the neck yeah um it, but like Arn Anderson, for instance, it was always Anderson working an arm, you know, and Brian attacks everything. He's like, you know, going all over the place. He's got no consistent pattern of attack. And here we're, we're at the knee. And then years later in Cage of Death, Brian would clip out Joe's knee, his bad kicked knee, his knee out of his knee. Yes. Kicked his knee out of his knee. Shout out to the late, great Owen Hart. Uh <laughs> But there's a lot of like. Let the references be. Let the references be. No, but we got to give Owen Hart. We don't have to. Exp- we don't have to explain them. Some people don't understand that reference. Fuck them. T-shirt available at its DVD product. You don't know who, if you don't know Owen Hart, fuck you and the horse you fucking rode in on. But speaking of Owen Hart type performances, Brian immediately starts. Going after Joe's knee uh, at the earliest. Brian is cocky, uh, kind of showing off a little bit more personality here than in times past, where it was almost as if he was just there to wrestle and do nothing else. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no. He's more com- more comfortable in his in his persona. body in his persona. Yeah. Um. Brian would uh, go to the outside. Uh, of course, he falls victim in, to the Olay kick. Um, there's, you know, a, a rid- ridiculous Artie in the earpiece uh, reference in the middle of the beginning portion right, of this match. But it's for an important reason. Jushin Thunder Liger is worth an Artie reference. I, yeah, but, you know... Artie is telling me that, you know, that, that Liger is coming for Weekend of Thunder. And uh, it, it kind of bears consequence 
Not on the result of this match. Yeah. Which I, the result of this match directly would play into it, title change or not. Because they'd be on opposite sides of a tag match. Yeah, but the title doesn't matter here. Mm-hmm. The title might not matter in that tag match, but the dynamics of the... If the championship yes. changes hands... Yeah, you would have Liger and... It's an important, important, important thing to mention. It's kind of like, I guess, Hell and Glory Banner 4, available in the archives, you know, there's not an acknowledgement of Kobashi for several reasons, uh, directly, just alluding to, and that's the show right before Kobashi appears. You know, this, we've got a couple, a month more or less, before the Lager show. So in terms of the DVD continuity of the product, it makes sense to throw something in here to acknowledge that this is coming up. Yeah, and buy it at ROHWrestling.com. So live with your RD. 215-781-2500. Yeah. Yes. Once called on the air during this very podcast. But the, uh, the interesting part of this style match is how slow it is in the beginning and how it didn't feel like it was slow. Like when watching it back, I didn't realize they went like 35 or 40 minutes, but it kind of made sense once it all ended that the reason they were doing what they were doing at the start was to pace themselves. And obviously the only 60-minute match in Ring of Honor history up until this point was the crowning the champion match. But... Really? It was? In June, in, in October of 2004, the only 60-minute match happened in 2002? Really? Oh, God, I forgot Joe and Punk. Holy shit. That's June of 2004. I, yeah. I was thinking 05. Yeah. But... Okay, so we Oh, in 05 when, when Joe wasn't the champion? Joe is always the champion in my heart. Yeah, okay. Uh, but You're a terrible fan. I, my memory is so Captain bad. Spoiler. It's Captain Spacey, really. <laughs> I'm just, uh, just out of, out of this world. Oh, you know, live on my own planet. Uh, mm-hmm. Earth 79 There's only 52 And one of them was destroyed Oh well mine was destroyed But uh, this the, the whole point here is You've got these two Rams butting heads In this match Not literally that would come much later for Brian But in this case like These are the two top guys There's a very clear definitive line These are the two top guys And they do go a long time in this match. This match goes 39 minutes and 16 seconds. As as you were watching this from ringside, after having this long day of you have your your first match, you're you know you're doing camera work for the entire show. You're finally at the last match of the night, and these guys are in front of you having this great legendary Ring of Honor world title match. What is going through your mind? Nothing. Really? Just looking through a fucking camera lens and recording shit. It's I've said it before. It's like this removal. Having that lens in front of you isn't much more different than 
having this thing when you're talking to a person, gesturing at my phone, people, it's a buffer. You know, as I'm sitting here talking, saying terrible things to my friends on Twitter. Well, that's not true because I would say it to their faces directly anyway. Uh, my point being, like, it's a filter. It's a, it's. I'm filming it, so I'm not thinking about it like analytically or a- anything remotely like that, or even at just I'm recording it. Yeah, it's this is the rare times where it was like, okay, I'm gonna go from looking through the lens to watching it. But for was the most this, part, I'm just watching it through the fucking lens. So this was not one of those times where you got kind of lost in the moment? No. Mm-mm. There's only a few of them. Joe and Punk. The end. <laughs> I can't really think of two. That's one that immediately just pops pops in my head as far as one that I just kind of had to go, whoa. But Interesting. it's a, yeah, yeah. Uh Maybe when Aries won the belt. Wait, was it still? Yeah, I was still filming at that point. So. You weren't doing the camera in 2009. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, no, no, man. It's just, it, it is. It's, 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 it's this just level of removal from what's going on in front of you. I mean, that, right. there is a level of professionalism that you have to, to do and maintain because you're doing your job. That's what they pay you for. But... I don't know. I felt like this was a match where you would just get kind of lost in the moment because it, it seemingly on the watchback it flies by, whereas I, it's I not think, as emotional as Joe Kobashi, but it's just as good a, a title match as really, any other really it's match. A, it's Joe a really ever good had. title match. It's a really good title match that's just lost to the annals of history. You know. Because what happened two weeks later? Joe Punk 2. Yeah, I mean... What, and happened, that's right after, what happened right after that? Hey, Joe lost the belt two months later. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... it's In the All-Star Extravaganza 2 match. You know, it's... For this title match with Brian is, like, smack dab in the middle of the Joe Punk trilogy. So I think it's very easily just lost in, in, in the bigger picture of Joe's title match. So you hit on an interesting point there. Think about that run for Joe of of those matches. Has there really been one that was like everything he touched turned to gold throughout the, the course of Ring of Honor? So from June of 2004, the very first Joe Punk match in the title series, uh, because Bitter Friends, Stiffer Enemies was not a title match. But it is available in the archives. Uh, from Dayton, June, all the way up to the Aries match. Like, is there a better single run for a champion? In, like, Ring of Honor or in life? In, in Ring of Honor. In Ring of Honor. Uh... Most of the time, it's a Ring of Honor podcast. I'd have to look at them all because what jumps out... All right, he had a match with Doug Williams that's completely forgotten, and it's whatever. The match with Rocky from Gold the day before Joe Punk 2. 
I, I don't think I don't look at that as like this epic run from for the last six months and three really top shelf matches with Punk. This really good match with Brian and pretty much anything else is just it happened. Hmm. See, I I think of that Rocky match and and I kind of put it a lot higher than I think most do. You would call it a hidden gem. Yes. It's a good match, but I'm just saying I'm talking about things that that it doesn't stand out. It doesn't stand out any more than his title match against Cabana, or that was that was a pure title. Rewind. It doesn't stand out any more than his title match against Mark Briscoe. And I like that match, but mm-hmm. it doesn't jump off the page. I'm saying, like these last six months, you're, I don't, I, I don't elevate it above anything else. Hmm. It's got good stuff in it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 maybe this was... match, this match to me is 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 kind of it's really good, but it's lost in the middle of those three matches with Punk and losing the belt. And then I think this is also a match where you see Joe dominated more than he had been in any other title defense. Like, Brian is in control for a good portion of this match, more than I feel like anyone else ever was. Because the Joe Punk matches were pretty even. That was pretty much the story of the first two matches, is that they were so even no one got... Whereas Brian is in control during a big portion of this. And one other thing I must say, not involving Joe and Brian, before I forget, is that this is a match that is the other extreme of Mark Nolte. This is a Mark Nolte excelling in commentary. Like, I think this played to his strengths as opposed to, like, the beginning of the show where he was the drizzling shits. He was offensive uh, at the beginning of the show, yes, quite frankly. shits. But it, 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 this was just, it, it was just a very different Joe title match to me in that regards that you saw him on the defensive I think, you know, when we've talked about the big theme of the end of Joe's title run was that he was a worn-down champion. Yeah. And then it slowly became more worn-down as each match went on. And this was not necessarily the start, but this is one where it became a little bit more obvious. Correct. They're telling that story, I think, by the end of... They're telling that story in 2003, by the end of the year. Yeah. Well, the, the whole thing was him the going Briscoe after story, the tag belt cage match. Yeah, it was a constant part of the story. The longer the title reign went on, and it, and here, I mean, clearly Brian is dominating this entire match. Um, one little spot that I loved in this match is you you've got uh, Danielson bail like he hits the enziguri, he bails. Uh, Joe hits a suicide dive. He hits the ole ole kick, and then the crowd kind of just elevates all in unison at one time. So they want him to be, uh, they want him to hit one more, and he he whiffs on the second one. But as he's running by, he slaps a fan's face. And I just, I had to pause it and rewatch like three or four times because this fan literally gets paintbrushed by Joe's hand. 
I don't think he was intentionally slapping face. He was slapping no, 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 hands no. and No, it was a total accident, but yeah. it was like a happy, funny accident. <laughs> and it was a fan I didn't recognize, so I was Is kinda just dis- I was hoping it would be somebody I recognized. It was like getting a slap from Anoki. Yeah, hands of stone. Mm-hmm. Um but they would uh, head into the- I mean it's an honor. It was an honor. Yes. But it, they, it hurts. He's got concrete hands. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he ch- he choked you guys out at one point in the uh, Samojo ring segments, um, and you you went toe to toe with him in an amateur wrestling contest. Yeah, and yes. you lasted <laughs> sixty seconds. <laughs> I got the fuck out of dodge. Grateful that he didn't kill me. He's he's one of those underrated guys that is underratedly tough, and I wouldn't mess with Samoa Joe. Any, the only people who underrate Joe or whoever makes the fucking decisions on his booking on TV. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not quite sure who that is at this point. But I just I sidebar completely unrelated. I'm just only to say because I literally just watched it. I want Joe to get sent back to NXT along with Finn Balor now. <laughs> I would like just Joe to, to see, get... Just to, like, you know, cool, go. Anyway, not Joe, an NXT podcast. I want Joe dispersed over to AEW on Wednesdays. That's my dream. And I, I'm going to see it to fruition. But uh, the finish would come 39 minutes and 16 seconds. It's a hot closing sequence. Joe hits a power slam. He puts the cross arm breaker on. Danielson reverses into a snapback suplex for two. He puts on the uh, towel killer, if you will, and then turns it over for two. He, uh, of course, as you know, won won the fall over Aries uh, earlier. Uh, He puts Joe on top. Uh, Joe slips out, grabs the choke. Then he hits the German suplex off the second rope, which was just filthy. He hits a big lariat for a two count. Then he follows that with the muscle buster. Danielson fights out. He hits a a rolling elbow and kicks the knee. Uh, Joe's knee is is damaged, of course, from this vicious 40-minute match. He hits a dragon suplex but can't hold on to the bridge. Uh, Then he puts on the cow killer. Joe gets to the ropes. Joe catches Danielson with a knee to the ribs. They trade knees to the face, which is just brutal. Uh, Joe comes out on top there. He puts on the choke, and Brian taps. 39 minutes, 16 seconds, and bell the bell. That is as good as it gets for a Samoa Joe title defense. Yeah, I think this is one of the best title defenses he has. So we... we... Little, little, little things during the match, though. Uh, again... This one's in the yellow world instead of the blue world, as is the whole show. But at least it's consistent, I suppose. Uh, Small victories. One thing that I thought was cool was Joe hit a go-to-sleep to Brian's gut, which I thought was cool. I don't know. There's a reason I popped for that. Being a, a you know, a go- instead of just a standard gut buster, like, you know, gorilla press gut buster, he actually lifts his leg up and gives him a more or less a go to sleep to the gut, so pop for that. 
got really annoyed at the cam work at one point where Joe puts a full Nelson on Brian and we just get a shot of Joe's butt. Meanwhile, I'm on the opposite side of the ring, uh, filming directly at their faces, but you know, too lazy to edit three cameras at this point. So it's just a shot of Joe's butt. Well, a, a quick Brian aside, Nelson. a quick aside on the camera thing. Yeah. Was you, was your camera that you used the exact same model camera that Jimmy was using? Jimmy Fetterman? No. We had two different. I think we may have even had three. No, we had two different cameras. But that doesn't matter. Why do you well, ask? If, well, I ask because if one is newer than the other, maybe there's a quality standpoint or coloring standpoint. No, so, like, let's say you had... laziness to not edit three tapes. You had the newer camera, let's say. No. You see the older one? Maybe they were concerned with quality? I don't know. I'm just... Stop making excuses for lazy fucking work. If it's lazy, no excuse not to do it. There's no excuse not to do it other than laziness. Then that's what it is. But I, I didn't exactly know exactly what it is. If there laziness. was some sort of other reason that you guys no. just didn't have the same camera. Like, you know, at the end, the ringside camera guys had the same model camera. And then they were, you know, using both cameras. Ringside. Nope. nope. Continue. Nope. Laziness. Didn't do it. The reason why we didn't use three cameras until Sal was no longer the one editing. All right. Well, and I would have never picked up on this one, but I have to mention it as a little love to through the years. Once again, Mark Nolte makes references to the FCC on a <laughs> DVD home release. Because AFCC pays attention to those. If you haven't listened to the Reborn Stage 2 episode of Through the Years, go do that and you will know what I'm talking about. Oh no, sorry, Round Robin Challenge 3 episode, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, now that I'm caught caught up on Through the Years. A couple little uh, things that jumped out to me that were completely inconsequential to the quality of the match, but the match quality itself was. Top shelf. Very good. Hidden gem of Joe's title run. Lost in the shuffle of the Punk Joe trilogy. Well, we're not done yet. Speaking of CM Punk, your We trainer. go all WWE. And uh, Punk Nevada comes to the ring. WWE. No, Punk comes to the ring with fucking music. Hmm? Punk comes to the ring. What else would he come to the ring Fucking music. He's walking out. This isn't a scheduled segment where he gets his fucking entrance. This is straight up WWE. You get your music because you walk to the ring. Just fucking walk to the ring. It's, not, just like, it's assume... not like he's got the Titan Tron scanner on his foot when you yeah. step on the fucking thing and your music goes off like the old toy did. I, I, I think that's how it works. Yes, that's still how it works. They have chips in their boots and you have to step on a very specific spot in their music. Or they press on. a button. They, they have buttons now. No. It was a fucking... He walked out to do an interview and to... No, not music. It's not as ridiculous as the Rottweilers getting music in the as the segment continues, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous and straight WWF product. <laughs> but I still like for whatever reason was like music really fucking music. There's no reason for music right now. You're coming out to do a fucking interview and not a scheduled interview. So why would the music guy have your music queued up to play? 
It's like when Kevin Nash made his fucking return to TV unprompted and suddenly his music starts. It's supposed to be, yeah, no. Was that like when he attacked Punk? Yeah, yeah, or just yeah. when he came back for the Hell in the Cell Triple H, or, yeah, it just, no. You're not, scheduled, bro. you're not scheduled, but the music guy's got your music queued up already, so it's fucking WWE of us. Well, Punk's in the ring. He asked the champ, Samoa Joe, for a rematch on the basis of not getting pinned at World Title Classic. Danielson interrupts, and he says he fought harder than Punk did, and thus he deserves a rematch more, despite just losing five minutes ago. Cleanly. Yes. Generation Next is out. They attack Punk. And Danielson and Joe just kind of stand there awkwardly. no fucks. And are like, who are these little dipshits attacking? We don't give a shit. Kick that dude's ass. Yeah, like, get, get him. We'll, we'll just stand there and watch. Aries, uh, playing off of what happened earlier in the night in the Survivor Series elimination match, uh, gets in there in the faces of Joe and uh, Brian, and uh, they jump in. The Rottweilers hit the ring with music, and they've got the medieval title of honor. The stolen belt from World Title Classic. Um, that's a hidden topic into itself. But... Uh, it's discussed on World Title Classic, available in the archives. You, um, but the 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 idea of like people in Philly realizing what that belt was, I think, was kind of lost. I don't think it mattered. The brawl continues. Danielson low key stared down. It would have uh, been better served, honestly, to roll reversal, leave Joe with this shitbag Knights of the Round Table title, and, and take his and homicide move. take the real belt. Yeah, and the carry one that, that shit around. But then you would embarrass Samoa Joe by making him but carry that piece of shit title. The other part of it is kind of a... Wasn't this story put to bed? Like, Homicide had his last match with Joe at Death Before Dishonor 2 Night 2 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was his last... Then he... Then they had the three-way... It's Scramble Cage Bealy and Homicide won that. Isn't the Joe Homicide story done? The Joe Rottweiler story done? I will never retire. It's 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 all it it, it was. So I guess them being involved here, aside from using it as an excuse to get Key in there and make the Brian Key partnership announcement. It was awkward to me because that story was done. It doesn't, like, all right, we go from this to gold. I guess he wrestles Rocky with that. So I guess it's there. But then it's Joe Punk 2. And then it's whatever the, the tag match, the pure title, world title, pure tag match. They do it Weekend of Thunder Night 1. Weekend of Thunder Night 2 is the tag match with Liger and Brian and Key. Then it's Punk again. And then he loses the belt. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's... They're just kind of thrown out there to I get feel like to the key spot. It's Ring of Honor's Flair's thing where, you know, it goes for a while, goes away, but it's always there to go back to. You know, like... But it didn't go away. It didn't really go away for a while. No, it, it, it just was gone for... It just, uh, yeah... 
and just I don't know. It's so it's, anyway. Aside from setting up the key involvement in the lager stuff, it just it's kind of like why are the Rottweilers out here? This is kind of a done issue. Yeah, and it made the show longer. I, I like the idea of Gen Next attacking the top guys since that's the whole point. Yeah, and it plays off of their you know the confrontation between Alex Shelley and Austin Aries at the end of the Survivor Series style elimination tag, but. At this point, there's just too much Gaga. Exactly. So much Gaga. shit crammed into the end of this. You just had the title match. Okay, I get Gen X jumping. Like, it's the Gen X stuff, I guess. I mean, they attack Punk. Mm-hmm. And Punk and Aries have a match at Weekend of Thunder. Yes. So there's the stuff there. And that's why Joe and Brian give two shits. Mm-hmm. But then and it's that only same, when that Aries same gets vein, in their face. But in that same vein, why does Brian give a fuck if Joe and Key are fighting to break that up? I don't. I that made no sense. No. And then it was. Oh wait, the light bulb went off, and this guy's now my partner because Joe hit me with an elbow. Yep. It just. It was so much shit. Too much shit dumped into the last, like, five minutes of this DVD product. It's one of those cases where less is more, and you could have simplified it a little bit. Yeah, because it wasn't as if, as far as as the story, it wasn't as if, I don't know, I guess it wasn't as if the Gen Next Punk thing was 100% necessary. It wasn't as if... We had to cram in the Punk and Joe thing in there here. You certainly didn't need because it wasn't. It wasn't classic. Well, it wasn't the Joe Punk thing. wasn't building towards anything at this point because they weren't supposed to have a match at nope. Joe Punk two. That was supposed to be Joe and Carino and like Punk and Shelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't necessary to cram that in here. So Ed. It just it seemed like just too much. That's that's all. Like individually, yes, all of these things make sense. And I guess similar to the eight man elimination. Like there's a lot going on in that fucking match with all the different stories, but it's just too much. And I thought this was yes, all of these lit, all of these pieces make sense into putting things into place and setting up other things, but it's just way too much in like a couple minutes. Well, the very last line of my note in this with the segment is so many moving parts at one time. Yeah. And if you have a crowd in this building, like obviously the vast majority of this fan base in Philly is connected. They get it. They're following on the message boards. They're Mm -hmm. buying the DVDs. But then there's the casual fans that are like coming to check out their first show as this company is growing and getting off the ground. The more people are showing up or that are there for Coronet and the midnights. And they're just like, what the fuck? There's all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, man, it's, and there's good, there's good, and there's bad to it. You know? Yeah. There's good, it's, there's, it's, there's good and there's bad because uh, you're trying to tell your story. It's not like we had a, a, a TV program to tell the stories or you know YouTube to tell the stories over. Uh, so I get trying to have. I get that feeling of. I get. I understand the the maybe the need or thinking you have to cram all this in there. Uh, 
just maybe not all necessary in front of the live audience. Yeah, you could have done something in the aftermath. In the aftermath, because it's not as if Joe Punk was paying off in Philly. You can just as well put it on the DVD. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's it's also not as if that match was happening anytime soon. Yeah, because I mean, was there was never a plan for a second one right after the first one? No, no, it just kind of fell into place. Yeah, it was kind of just a happy, happy happenstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy for me to say. So we. Uh, we end the show there, but I do want to ask you. Yes. Once you've turned in your camera, you've turned in the tapes, and you have a moment to just breathe. What's your mood? I like? don't. Th- I didn't have a moment to breathe until midnight, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, because I mean, it's a neat show. Tearing down. Shows over. Go to the merch table. We're done selling merch. Go finish tearing down. Uh, So I, when you have your first moment to yourself at whatever point, probably on October 3rd, in fact, definitely on October 3rd of 2004, because this show probably didn't end until like 1130. What, what's going through your head? The funny thing is I don't remember. I don't remember at all. Uh... I mean, I'm sure I was happy, <laughs> you know, to have the next one out, to have the first one out of the way. Um, but then I did. I had shows like the next four straight weeks, like the next four straight weekends. Because <laughs> I think the weekend after this, we did Triple WA, and then the weekend after that was Gold and Joe Punk Two, and then the weekend after that. We went to Ian's to IW Mid South for a quad shot. Uh, where and then Jimmy so Jimmy Jacobs, and the weekend after that was back home for the Liger weekend. <laughs> or no, back for Halloween, and the weekend after that was Liger weekend. Maybe I have to look at a calendar, but essentially it was just like five five straight weekends. Of like in the office and then on the road, so I don't really remember like. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was more just that you know, there was certainly no celebratory. We got our first match out of the way. Toast. I was the only one who was of legal drinking age. I think. No, I believe Anthony Franco was as well because I do remember taking him to Chicken Pete's for his twenty-first birthday. Um, I had a chicken pizza on the boulevard. But, oh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I don't. It's weird to that I did it. I just don't remember. And what all, do you, like that, what that, that, that night. Like, I don't even remember that night as far as, like, I just, I know it's like the assumption of this is what happened because this is what always happened after show ended. I turned the camera in, sold merch, went and tore down the fucking ring. Went home. What do Mar- you f- my wife probably remembers better than I do what happened. Oh, I have to get Mary on on <laughs> her bonus segment on Patreon to tell us. But 
I think it's pretty cool that this is a show that you can look at. The, this is the main event. Samoa Joe, who is a WWE superstar. Brian Danielson, who is one of your trainers. A bona fide WWE superstar. And they may main evented the very first show where you made your in-ring debut. Yeah. Something to, to hang your hat on. Um... There are worse places to make your pro wrestling debuts. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's certainly the... I, I can certainly say that we were fortunate in that regards. The, there, there's the upsides and the downsides of that. Um, but it's certainly fortunate in some respects to say that I made my wrestling debut for Ring of Honor. For better, for worse, for what that would turn into as far as you know, what school would become from my perspective and how would get, how things would get used online, blah, 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 blah. In October of 2004, as the, one of the members of the very first class of the wrestling school, I didn't give a shit about any of that. I was whatever I needed to do, paying whatever dues, however... Travel, the money, lack, the lack, the complete and other lack of money that it involved. Uh, it, it was an honor to debut for Ring of Honor. Well said. Well, that wraps up Midnight Express reunion. Um, we've got an interesting couple of shows coming your way the next few weeks uh, through the end of October. But we did want to take this time to present the concept for our show that we're going to be bringing to you on October the 29th of 2019. And that show is a hidden gems show. So the format of this show is going to be very similar to the ring of honor music show that we did. And we invite all of you to submit your lists of your favorite matches that are not big-time matches. The hidden gems, uh, underrated matches. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show uh, Joe and Rocky Romero from Gold. Uh, Fits fits the equation there. Um, I think that's a completely lost... Gem and, and really good match. Mark Briscoe, Brian Danielson, or Jay Briscoe, Brian Danielson from Final Battle, I think, is on that list as well. Um, so those are kind of some of the examples uh, that we would use. Any any example pop off on your head? Because we're gonna have uh, Rocky well. Romero and Chad Collier. Yeah, that's you just took my number one and made it your number one. Uh, Brian and then Jay Briscoe. It's definitely one. Uh, man, what else? Oh. Well, they're not easy to think of because they're hidden gems. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 very true. It's very true. Hidden deep within the recesses of my cobweb-filled memory. I will tell you my thought process for how I'm going to go back and find my top five and then my five honorable mentions and then your 37 just missed the cuts no i'm gonna 
stay true to my word, and I'm going to have five honorable mentions and five the top five hidden gems. Spoiler alert, I already revealed what number one is. Um, but it, I'm going to go on my DVD case in order, and I'm just going to kind of go through and see if anything jumps off the page as to a hidden gem. I've got one match that I don't think people will... I'll be the only one that suggests it, but we've covered it on air before. Uh, so, by all means, hit us up on social media with these lists. Email us. Uh, if you'd like to do a video, we'll, we'll, we'll happily insert the audio. We'll have our scientist of sound, the ace of bass, Mr. Zach Johnson. Uh, Matt Turner's already hooked me up with one. Matt Turner bringing his list. So, yeah, lots of, of people will be submitting their lists. We hope you guys uh, feel free to submit your lists. Um do as many as you want. Hey, we, you know, it's uh, Halloween weekend. We're going to kind of have a busy week, both of us, that weekend. And uh, want to get you guys that show and, and do so in a way that involves you uh, every once in a great while. Uh, so similar to Festivus, similar to the ROH music list, um, bring, your, bring your hidden gems on October the 29th. I uh, want to wrap this show up and uh, remind everybody you can support the show. Head over to patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. You'll get the shows on Saturdays instead of Tuesdays. You can get the show on video if you're part of the $12 tier. Uh, if you're uh, part of that $12 tier, you'll also get a DVD from my collection. And um, if you're looking to fill your gaps in with ROH DVDs, I can do that a lot easier than finding best ofs. Ew. Hey now, uh, but uh, as we talked about earlier, the moving process is is kind of stuck in park for now. But um, we've got exclusive watch-alongs, bonus shows, all for as low as four dollars a month. You get a discount code to itsdvdproduct.com, the official merchandise home of an honorable mention. There are T-shirts, hoodies. It's fall season. You wouldn't know it if you were outside uh, here in Ohio. It's 90 degrees today. But, that, was uh, us, yeah, that was us yesterday. Now it is in its more appropriate 60. Yeah, hopefully that's tomorrow. My God. Um, but uh, you can get hats, book bags, gym bags, uh, track jackets, track pants, uh, plenty of cool things over at itsadvdproduct.com. And if you're a patron, remember, you get a discount every time you purchase something. And uh, a DVD sent your way as well with your purchases over at itsadvdproduct.com. If you'd like to email us, hit us up, an honorable mention at gmail.com. If you've got an upcoming indie show, why not have 6,000-plus people every single solitary week here? that plug of where they can buy tickets, your social media. Hell, if you just want to promote your Twitter, send us an email and send us some PayPal money and we'll, we'll mention your Twitter on air. No, <laughs> no product is, is too low for us to endorse. That's not true. Well, I have, there are I have, my, I have standards. You might not. I have no shame. Uh, Empire Data Management, if you would like to use the name consolidation tool if you're a car dealer. Uh, hit us up. 
Um, but we are uh, brought to you by the Creative Control Network every week. Be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network, our friend Joe Feeney. He is on Twitter at JFF, haha, double E, haha, any Y, three RD, and at the CC Network One. For all the latest news and notes on the Creative Control Network, be sure to follow our verified scientist of sound, our astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the base master general, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement, Mr. Zach Johnson. He's on Twitter and Instagram. He's also followed by Tony Schiavone on Twitter at Radio ZT, and he delivers us the best intros and outros every single week and make sure we sound cooler than the other side of the pillow. We are presented this week by our friends at MyBookie.ag, where they will double your investment up to $1,000. So if you would like to bet on any of the upcoming NBA season, NFL season, NCAA, they have more prop bets than you can shake a stick at. And I believe how many times you shake that stick is a prop bet. Uh, over at mybookie.ag, just use that promo code HONOR. Win some money. Get rich quick. Bet on your favorite team. And, uh, of course, Tiege Hanley Skincare, the elite skincare products, over at Tiege.com. Promo code HONORABLE for 10% off your order of the best skincare products in the world. This episode of an honorable mention that you are listening to right now is available on iTunes, Spreaker, the Google Music Play Store, Spotify, Amazon Echo, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and CastBox.fm. Next week, October 15th, I believe that is my birthday, Survival of the Fittest 2007. We will cover that. And all the shenanigans that came from Las Vegas, Nevada with my Maybe, perhaps with a special guest for this show or the week following. We're going to see what we can arrange. And the week following is the show that took place in San Francisco, California, where there was literal chaos at the Cal Palace. Uh, October 22nd for that show. And, uh... Folks, we usually don't do shows that are double shots back-to-back, but there's a reason we're doing this. It is arguably the weekend that nearly killed Ring of Honor. And everybody else, and a promoter. Yeah, yeah, and my liver, and my soul. So we're very excited to bring those two shows to you. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot less wrestle talk on those shows and a lot more shenanigans talk. Maybe especially, if we, especially if we get a guest from my, my, my posse that made the journey with me. Um, and it's, it's not going to – and the names will be pre- changed to protect the innocent – uh, for the most part, because probably they need to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, Durden talked about some of it in his interview, as did Ernie Osiris, which are both available in the archives. But, uh, yeah, so that'll be October 15th and October 22nd. Hidden Gems, get those Hidden Gems to us. Twitter, Instagram, you know all the places to get them to us. Uh, you know how to reach out to us individually, but in case you don't, we will tell you that we can be found on Twitter and Instagram at an honorable pod. 
We can be found at facebook.com backslash an honorable pod. And you can find me on Twitter. You can slide into those DMs with your hidden gems at the Jeff Schwartz. Do the Joe Gartner there. There you go. Um, at the Jeff Schwartz on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook uh, is just Jeff Schwartz. You can find me with a picture of my, my beloved grandparents and uh, a t-shirt that says loyalty on it. Partner, where can we find you on the internet? Um, the fucking internet. Google. Just Google me and see what happens. Uh, and honor, <laughs> honorable Shane. There's no such thing. Hagador and Shane on Twitter and Instagram. Shane Hagador on Facebook page. Shane Hagador on YouTube page. And honorable mention on YouTube as well. And of course, we've got slideshows on YouTube as well. And um, there's more coming, apparently. Woo-hoo! Yes. Uh, and those hidden gems uh, that are available, we, we may uh, create a hidden gems playlist uh, if they're available from Ring of Honor's official YouTube yeah. uh, channel. So, uh, of course, we are now into the month of October, and it has been. It has been six months since June the 4th when we lost my dear friend Carnell Sledge and his friend Catherine Brown uh, to an unjustified uh, murder uh, in the Cleveland Metro Parks. And I ask anybody every single week until there is justice for Carnell and Catherine and their families and our friends if you know anything, don't be afraid. Uh, call 440-331-5219. That's the Cleveland Metro Parks Police Department. That is their dedicated tip line. Uh, you can also call the Crime Stoppers of Cuyahoga County at 216-252-7463. You can remain anonymous. That is the most important part of this. And if you lead to justice for Carnell and Catherine's memories and their families and friends, uh, there is a $22,500 reward that is distributed tax-free upon conviction. So let's get justice for Carnell and Catherine before the year is out. Uh, They're both very, very, very missed. Having said that, there is only one thing left to do, and that is to quote a man that may be joining us sooner rather than later, the mayor of an honorable mention, the great Sauronaro. No need to trip out. It's time to dip out. Slap at the porpoise. This one is over. We're out. Keep your chin up. We'll see you next week for Survival of the Fittest 2007, live from Viva Las Vegas. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day. Dog say goodnight, and I think to myself, 
what a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry I watch them grow They learn much more Than I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful love sports and sports are always better when there's something on the line am i right well now there can always be something on the line thanks to my bookie that's right my bookie the place to bet on football every weekend they have better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book around and this year they're doing something cool they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest first place guaranteed to win at least one hundred thousand dollars and it only costs 100 bucks to enter all you gotta do pick five nfl games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool look we would only recommend a service to you guys that have been good to us and that's why my bookie is always the right play because you bet you win they pay they have live in-game betting on every nfl game the most rewarding player perks in the business and for all you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game it's a hard deal to beat but they're going to make it even better they're going to match up to one thousand dollars of your first deposit that's right they're going to double your first deposit just use promo code honor to activate the offer so visit my bookie online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e dot a-g not .com, mybookie.ag. And don't forget to use the promo code HONOR to claim the bonus of up to a $1,000 double on your first deposit. Mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Guys, I think we can all agree. We always want to look and feel our best. And a big part of that is taking care of our skin. I know it's not something guys like to talk about a lot. Because, let's be honest, we don't really know a lot about skincare. The products are complicated and confusing when you do try to go down the men's skincare aisle. And also, they're freaking expensive. That's where T. Shanley comes in. T. Shanley is a skincare company founded by regular guys for regular guys to make it simple and easy. Get the skincare products you need shipped directly to you every month for as low as 25 bucks a month. Plus, if you're in the USA, free shipping. And no matter what your skincare situation is, they've got a box for it. Just need a basic skincare box? Well, they've got that. Got some crow's feet going on, some dark circles under the eyes? They got a box for that. Even if you have severe acne, they have a box for that. Check out all of their products to help out regular guys like you and me at tige.com. That's T I E G E. Tige.com to get the men's skincare products you need. Simple, easy, uncomplicated. 
Tige.com, T-I-E-G-E, and use the promo code HONORABLE and get 10% off. So you can't go wrong. It's Tige.com, T-I-E-G-E.com, slash HONORABLE for 10% off. Tige Handley, skincare for men, simple, uncomplicated. 